I'll start oh, Good evening, everybody. It's Andrew Davis calling from Tune Talk Radio in association with NovaRadio.co.uk. Well, we go from the sublime to the ridiculous with Newcastle United, but you can kind of say that about Sunderland, can't you? Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Hartlepool, they're all in the same boat, aren't they, right now? Well, um, and after an excellent week of playing football, you remember, you can contact the show direct. It's 0191. Five three eight nine seven eight one. And we can talk everything about all the northeast teams, uh, but it has been a great week followed by an absolute dismal performance, and I've got quite strong views myself on what happened. But uh, remember, oh one nine one five three eight nine seven eight one or www.toontalk.co.uk. If you go to the Apple Store, you can actually t- just type in Toontalk, and you'll be able to listen back to the show as well. Uh, for any episode you've actually missed. So go there and you can also uh, check us out on Nova Radio on the Google Play button. So if you've got a handheld device, you can actually uh, access whatever we've got to say tonight on Newcastle United anywhere in the world. Because yes, we are international, uh, as our regular viewers know. Well, I'd like to bring in my uh, co-host as ever, uh, Neil Mitchell, calling from Dubai. Good evening, how are you? Good evening, Andrew. I'm good, thank you. All things considered. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it, it, it's typical it's typical Newcastle, isn't it? Uh, we you know we we have a really good week. I, I think I pointed out, didn't I? I, I, I knew Reading would be the banana skin, and um, you've got to say if you know we played three games in kind of a week. Um, I did. I was really surprised he didn't go with um, Murphy up top, even with Gale in the team. Um, I I must admit he was. He's, he was warned in the last game when we actually drew 2-2, two, 2-2, two, 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 three, three, I can't remember now. But, um, you know, to me, that's against a team that's on the rise. You've got to go out there. You've got to punch him in the face. You know, you know what it is, Andrew? The trouble is we're making all these things with, it, with hindsight. It makes us all sound very, very clever. Um, I, I tell you the thing that's, that's got me bothered is I've heard from a lot of people who were there at the weekend um, obviously, we didn't. Ha- it wasn't televised yet, so mm-hmm. I've only seen bits. I haven't seen the full thing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the word complacency kept bouncing around. A number of people who were there were firing messages to me saying they didn't start well. They looked complacent. They got what they deserved. Um, we seem to ha- need a number of these wake-up calls. What's particularly annoying? is it's undone some of the really hard work of the previous week with those three away games. If you'd given with seven points out of nine for those three away games, you'd have snapped hands off. Said, yep, take that. 
and then we screw that up. It's, um, it's frustrating, but we've all got to keep ahead. You know, it, 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 I think there's a, there's a lot of meltdowns happening and a lot of people getting very, very upset. And there's a lot of naysayers and a lot of people being clever with hindsight. Um, but he's going to play the team that he thinks is going to work out best every time. Um, and I, it, I don't know, there's, there's just, it does make you wonder what's upset the apple cart there or was it just a little bit of arrogance? I just don't know. Yeah, good point that uh, when it comes to uh, you know the complacency bit, but I would have to go with for me. Uh, obviously, P- the, the main um, our main guest today is Peter Peter Rock. He's going to be on at around six thirty. Uh, just for everybody listening, we, um, I think the the problem is if you're going to pl- if you if you're going to play if if he even senses that they're tired, just make changes. Even at half time, that thing that bothers me the most, we were abject. And, you know, the, you've got a guy in Murphy who is playing against his old team, would have been fired up like no, like there's no tomorrow. And you, you can understand, I, I think everybody, uh, you know, it gets worse than because fans left at 59 minutes. We'll get to that as well in a minute. But um, that's, I think the complaints can go both ways, as you said, with the fans and the players. And I think when it comes to people, you know, making their views views known, you know, they can they can do whatever they want. I think it, you know, I've, I've heard for obviously a couple of people that for fans say, well, we shouldn't be booing, we shouldn't be doing this. Well, you know, you 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 you, you watch what you watch. You know, it's like people, mm. you know, people for weeks have been saying, oh, you know, Dunmore's been a regular fall guy. Well, yeah, yeah, fair enough. He, he made mistakes like the, the team did on Saturday. It wasn't just him; it was plenty of others, but. You know, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to play, or change, or change the team, as it, as and when needed. It needed a kick, and I think he, mm. I think for once, you know, Rafa's learned as well. Um, but for me, when, when you see the team go, you know, in trouble in the, the last game because they didn't, you know, obviously I think um, I think he was injured. He, he obviously he hurt his hamstring, didn't he? Uh, Gail, that couple of weeks ago when we when we came back when we put Mitrovic up, and I've been, we've been saying this for a while. You know, if Newcastle are going to do the one-trick pony by putting Gail on, um, you know, against better teams, this is the worst thing. I, people think Fulham are a good team, and you know they've been on the rise for a bit. But even when they beat us at, at the first game of the season, it it wasn't like they absolutely took us apart. You know, the thing is for me. You play the army in that team. He has. He's not. He's not busting the gut. He's not pushing that. He's not pushing on midfield forward to really get to really give us a shot. And we've been saying this for a long time now that he that he he's got the like you said yourself. He could be absolute barnstorm. He's got he's got lots to give. But if he's running out of gas, which it seems to me that it's it's not just him in that midfield. You've got callback as well. But possibly it could be because we're actually missing Hayden. It could be. It could be that Hayden's been a, a, a quiet bit of solidity in that middle. I mean, I, I definitely think Colback's coming in for a, a, a lot of Paltes, and I get the feeling, quite rightly so, certainly what I've seen of him, he looks like a free kick waiting to happen all the time mm-hmm. in critical areas, you know, and that, that's, that's worried. Um, I, I, I don't think it's just one thing, and I think also, though, I do think we've got to wind one X in a little bit and just mm. 
try and keep a hard. It, 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 though that's easy to say too, because nobody was more frustrated than the group of Geordies I was with watching the scores come in mm-hmm. uh, here in Dubai, and we were quite hacked off. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and quite angry about it. We couldn't understand what was going on, but then you're getting the feed off Twitter, you're getting words from people, word from people at the match, and like I say, not just me, but but some of the other lads there at the weekend, we're getting the word word complacence kept popping up and popping up again. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I just for me, I, I didn't understand why, because it, it you know it's a big game for Murphy. Um, it, you know, to me, if. You know, the second half, I think Newcastle faded against Redden big time. And I think we were coming forward, but that's the thing. We're a one-trick outfit. We're in midfield, especially if Shelby has enough game, off and enough day. And it sounds like the weekend against Fulham, it sounds, sounds like Shelby had an off game. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, if you read the, 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 the feed on, say, the Chronicles, minute-by-minute mm-hmm. minute feed, you know, Shelby puts the ball out again. Shelby puts the ball down the channel and it rolls out of play. He's obviously had his driver out when he, when he needed his pitching wedge all day. Um, it's what what bothers me is are we that do we really need to rely on Shelby that much? Mm. Um, that bothers me a lot. Uh, we we should be having multiple ways around teams in this division because um, let's be honest. Uh, there really are only three real sides to prove and produce quality in that division, and that is the top three there. And yet we were taken apart by two teenagers at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sixteen-year-old Sessegnon, wasn't it? Um, in the uh, Taney, was it Taney that? Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Newcastle were linked with as well, I believe. Weren't they? But they were quoted fifteen million by Fulham. Um, well, I think we went in for him. But why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. No. It's. I think that's a. That's the, to me the the issue is, you can you can you can only if if you're being if you, to me if you the last the last home game it's not working, and that's the thing. If you had just I think if you had just changed it at half time and it's probably the the one thing I've noticed, even just I think the last today really really is that a few a few of the young lads are now playing tonight at St James Park. Uh, the under 23s and i think when they came when they played and uh, the cup games uh, they did give um they did give us a bit of a pep and i think that's with, with newcastle we uh, you know i think we can't go over the overboard really obviously people are upset about it but you know we we got three games away you know we, we get terrific results but the problem with newcastle it's always been that the home form that should mm. If you look, look at Burnley, Burnley absolutely terrible away, terrible away from home. They've got two points. They've only got two points um, in the last well, the whole season, I think, away from home. But look at them; they're nice and pretty um, in the in the Premier League because they win the home games. The, the thing about Newcastle, we've always it, previously, obviously not in the Premier League, but in the last couple of years, but we've always had that factor where we can really, really get at teams. And the fact is. It's, it feels like at home, you're, he's kind of thinking, oh, I'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes away from home mentality. And that'll never work because the fans, you know, they, they go there, there's 51,000 sitting there waiting because that's, the, that's what this is all about. We, we, the, the home fans get trem, tremendous pelters for being called this, that and the other. 
But they're, they're waiting. They're waiting for a performance. They're waiting to be to, to, to get on their feet, to get going. And, you know, when it, when it's not happening, it's not just happening once or twice. And I've, I know people are going to be saying, oh, you've got to, you know, we can't, we, like you said, we've got to wind your neck in. But you've got to wind your neck in, but you've also got to be given something to, to more or less say, right, we're going to get at this team. And that's not happening. This, this is a, a, an age-old discussion, and I don't know if anybody's ever given a, a good answer on it. How much does the team need to inspire the fans to get behind them, and how much do the fans need to inspire the team and get behind them? It's, it's like a synergistic relationship, a two-way street. And what sparks what? There are certain instances, like, for example, a real blood and thunder challenge. Mm. Guess it's or got a team, team, yeah. team goes down to ten men. Or, you know, that's... And we seem unable, as a crowd at home, to react always in the way that I seem to remember. Now, this isn't a new phenomenon at Newcastle United. I've stood in crowds as a teenager. I've stood in crowds that have booed after 15 minutes because we weren't 1-0 up. Mm-hmm. Those, the kids that Ozzy Ardiles used to put out, you know, and some of those kids then went on and had bloody good careers and that, that baptism of fire where we were either winning 5-4, losing 5-4, and giving away stupid goals, and if mm-hmm. we weren't 1-0 up after 15 minutes, the crowd were getting restless. Because we knew we were going to concede, and we knew that we needed to get on the score sheet. Um, so I've been there, seen it, got a T-shirt, and that was always the question asked way back then: Is it the crowd that inspires the team, or is it the team that inc- inspires the crowd? And how much is one deserve another? I think the bottom line for us is if we, as a fan base, see players who aren't putting in an effort, aren't putting a shift in, if they're perceived as lazy, arrogant, complacent, what have you. I think that switches her off. I think <coughs> we've also got a problem in the modern fan base, though. Um, how many people are drifting onto their mobiles and their mm. social media if, if, if it's not blood and thunder action in the first 15 minutes? You know, and, 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 I, and I think it is. A, we are. We've moved on. We're old now, Andrew. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. like we weren't terribly well understood by the generation of fans before us. We don't always fully understand the generation of fans behind us. That was something I always got out when I was um, involved with the trust, sitting down with some of the younger fans and getting a bit cracked and trying to get inside their heads and wondering why they were doing some of the things that they were doing. Because some of it didn't seem to make any sense, but once you actually got inside their heads and saw where they come from, you thought, oh, actually, that's, that's quite canny crack, that. Mm. You know, and, and so... I think we've got to take that into account that the, the, the fan base at home is changing a little. Um, away crowds seem very different to home crowds again. And that's something that's come round, you know, come round full circle. I, I remember again going to away games in the 90s. Um, sort of early, late 80s, early 90s. The away crowd was always far better crack than the home crowd, even when you were standing together with your mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and so I think this is... There's a lot of things in there. I think some people seem to think safe standing and the introduction of that might help. I've got a feeling you'll find standing these days is very different to standing back in the day. Um, Will it solve all the problems in one? I don't know. Um, Do I have all the problems? Well, no. That's why I'm sat here uh, in the dental surgery and not in, you know, in in the higher, higher corridors of the FA. 
Um, all I ha- all I am is a gobshite with an opinion, you know. Mm. Um, but with something like this, it's, it's, it's an age-old argument, mate, about where does that inspiration to get behind the team come from? Is it the team inspiring the crowd? Is it the crowd inspiring the team? When when does one kick in and when does the other kick in? And when does one demand one side and when does one demand the other? And, if, and at the minute, we seem to be into a, a spiral of silence and fear. And yeah. so it, 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 it's, it's tough, mate. It, it, I, I don't know if we get a, a, the right answer or even a good answer on it. I think I'm just, just sort of rambling a little bit, to be fair. Mm. But it, it, it's something, it's, it's certainly not a new conversation that I've had, is it? No, I think that the one thing I, I found on Saturday is that, you know, you, I, saw a, I saw like a, a video of it and this is what happens. Oh. I think a lot of people on you know they're on Facebook, Instagram, whatever they're they're on, and they're watching other teams, especially um, I would probably point to Sunderland because a lot because they they get beat pretty regularly at home and it can get obviously two 0 down, three 0 down, and the fans leave around 59 minutes. Sometimes it's earlier than that, isn't it? But it infected us on Saturday, and I think we I think we had just turned three 0 down, mm. and I thought, okay. Um, you can show your displeasure, you can show a lot of things, you can, like, I think, because, uh, you know, Rafa is, is held in such high esteem by us all, let's be honest, he is, and, um, you know, the, you, you don't want to turn around and say, come on, you know, shout, shout, you know, get behind the team of, you know, show our frustration, whatever, whatever it can be, but I think it's definitely creeping in the fact that people are leaving earlier because they see others doing it, Remember, we used to do this when we, in the relegation season before um, before Rafa came in. You know, people were leaving early um, because of what they were seeing, and but it's definitely it's it, it, to me that's far too much an easy way out. If I'm going to go to the match, I'm going to watch the match. I might leave. You know, if it if it gets really embarrassing, you you would you would leave to uh, a couple of minutes before and five or ten minutes, whatever I, it is. I've got to be honest with you, and this is just purely my opinion in the way I. I'll be here. I've only left the match early twice. Twice. Once yeah. because I had a flight, had a flight to catch. Um, and once when we were five-one or five-nil down to Man United at home. Um, and I, yeah, it must have been five-nil yeah, or six-nil. And sure, yeah. I got a consolation. I missed the sure consolation. And that's mm. the only game I've left early other than once, one other time when I had a flight to catch. And I, and I, I managed to get to 60, 68 minutes and then I had to do one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. and everything. You know, and, and, and so, but that's just me. That's my opinion and how I feel about the game. Mm. Uh, do you know what? If somebody's had enough, if they genuinely are paid off, and I'll tell you something. We take the mick out of the Mackhams for that pink seats and how the ground mm. empties, right? The one thing the Mackhams have always been very good at, though, is voting with their feet. Mm. And we, we, we don't. Where does faith become blind? Yeah. Okay? Sometimes mm. it'll wake up call for a regime, a manager, or a team is watching that ground empty. Mm. There's times where I don't have a big issue with it. Um, because, again, it's personal feeling. How am I to tell somebody how to support the team? It's not for me to do that. It never was, it never will be, and, it, and, and I never will. Everybody has their own way of supporting. 
And you know, being an expat now, I think I understand that more than I ever have. Mm. Um, and and I probably haven't always felt this this way. Mm. Um, but I, I can't genuinely sit down and tell other people how they how should be you know. the team. Yeah. That's, that's not right. It's not right, and it's not proper, and it's not fair, Andrew. Mm. Um, but at the same time, um, it we've made some brilliant comebacks this season, and I wouldn't be leaving <laughs> yeah. because the potential's there for another Norwich four-three, another Bristol City two-two, etc., etc. You know, it's always there. Um, we can't say we've not done it this season. I wish we hadn't have to. Mm. We made it bloody hard for ourselves, and we've done it again. And that's really the, the essence of what we should be talking about: is why the team keep making it hard for themselves. They get one hand on the prize, and then they slip mm. off again. I know that's a, that's that's the problem now, isn't it? It's like you, you think you've, you've. I think if they had worn it red, and not to me, the dagger had, would have gone in. I, I know, that, I know. I think um, yes, that to me is saying, right, I've got you. You know, I've got to, I've got to say that. That's us now being greedy in hindsight. Yeah. If you take and you'd said, um, Brighton Huddersfield Redden, seven points. Mm, Everybody would have gone, yes. Yeah. Take it now. Yeah. Because we'd look at Fulham and say, well, that should, on paper, and you know, age-old sayings and all that about football being played on grass, not mm. on paper. Mm. Um, but we're really undone. A little bit of that ourselves. However, we pick ourselves up, and you never know what's going to happen next week. Brighton slip up sometimes. Huddersfield, you got to remember, Huddersfield have been on such a hell of a run until mm. we beat them. Mm. Game in hand or not, we know game in, games in hand mean jack unless mm. they're won. Mm. We lost a title with games in hand because we couldn't win the Bluegrass. Mm. We've been relegated having had games in hand because. They're only meaningful until their points in hand. And so um, we can only worry about us. Mm. We can only look influence the results by playing our games and trying to win them all and making them count. Because if we do that, as it stands, if we win every game to the end of the season, we are promoted as champions. Nobody can pass us unless Brighton puts 10 past someone. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, the, that's the reality, okay? So, do you know what? We're, we're all getting a bit jittery, and raise your hand if you're getting jittery. Mine's up. Um, my backside ain't my trousers on, sad to mate. Um, <laughs> it's still in our hands. And so, there's another bit of a reality check. that You look at that table, we've got six points and 30 goals on Huddersfield. Mm, yeah. That should be being talked about with nine games, ten games to go. It's quite a gap to close. And we're acting like they're one point behind. Yeah, I think that's just, just the key thing is I think if we... Um, you know, I, I'm just trying to put a little bit of, you know, realism here. And I get it. I, I get, yes, I was effing and blinding with the best of them in the bar on, on Saturday. I was quite concerned, worried, upset, annoyed. But you, you kind of, in the cold light of day, we'll have to just take a little step back from it all. Take in what the reality is. is what We're getting into the home stretch. All season, Rafa keeps talking about April. Mm. 
Now do you know why Rafa keeps talking about April? There's seven games in April, isn't it? Exactly. That's why he keeps talking about April, mate. Mm. This, this title is not going to be decided. Promotion is not going to be decided until somewhere in that morass of games in April. That's when it's going to go mental. That's when I'll probably have to wear my brown trousers every day. Mm. I but think... Um, obviously we're talking about it since day one, mate. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I think everybody thought that the thing. I think because even though so that Fulham were nice to be going into that April period with more points in hand yeah. and with the ability at some stage in that April period to get the deck chairs out, wouldn't it be wonderful? That's that's not necessarily always realistic football, and you've got to take your hats off to Brighton and Huddersfield. They're doing it with weaker squads. They're doing it. Um, a harder way than us in some respects. Um, whoever misses out on the automatic promotion will be gutted. <laughs> because <laughs> really those top three teams are light years ahead of the rest of the division. We're still, even though we lost to them at the weekend, we're still 17 points ahead of Fulham. I think the interesting thing was that was was Friday, wasn't it? That went Derby. I think I I expected more from Derby, even yeah, on well, Friday. We now know what's been going on at Derby is that McLaren's, you know, gone today. Mm. Um, yeah. they, they have obviously had internal issues. Very much a sign of a team that's preparing for next season. So did it again? Any did the same last season, didn't he? Well, <laughs> He's mirrored last season. Let, let, let's let's not. You know, let's not make no bones about it. There's, there's teams in the mix in that division. Then again, every now and again, you'll get somebody like Derby. You'll turn a result out, mm. and you'll think, "Where the hell did that come from?" Because that's the nature of this division. The twists and turns haven't even started yet. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, they they look they look like they're gonna. Uh, you know, obviously we've got Birmingham next, and it's funny how things have happened to them. They had a very good managing guy, Rowett, and he, he was doing really, really well with what he had. And now he's going to become Derby manager. And we've the, the worst thing for us is that we've got you know the, you've, we've got Birmingham away. I think it, it is away, yeah, because um, we played them in the mm-hmm. FA Cup, didn't we? So we've got them away. It's a that's a bogey place to go anyway. Um, You've, then we've got Wigan who've, who've sacked their manager today as well. It, it's it's always mm. one thing the other with Newcastle. We all seem to get the short end of it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, we haven't had... I know I often go on about luck and luck's only luck when you make your own. Mm. But, again, let's go back to penalty counts. How many of Brighton and Huddersfield had compared to mm. us? We haven't had always the rub of the green this season um, there's still plenty of time for that to even itself out over the next few weeks look we really don't know We've, it, it's the age old cliche game at a time keep going blah 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 and, and, and I, I, get, I'm, I, I get that some people may be um, a bit hacked off at the way I'm talking about this at the minute because there are, is a lot of upset and anger 
in, in the fan base after the weekend. And I get it. Totally get it. Um, I think I taught some 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 of the locals some new words on, on Saturday. Um, you weren't the only ones that were upset. We were upset out here as well. But at the end of the day, um, we... That's all we can do at this point in time is one game at a time. Yeah, one which I think. Time, I think um, I, I don't. I must say when I, when when Brighton won so easily um, on Friday, I think um, the interesting thing since they lost to us, they went away and they got beat by Nottingham Forest quite mm-hmm. embarrassingly, even, even for them. But then they come back and they've that's that's the thing about the championship. They've won two on the bounce. I think. I don't think any of us. I'm not. I wasn't sure about what would happen when Huddersfield went away and they squeaked out a win. So, you know, th- you know. I think because of the the way that we had we had done really well, you know. To me, every time Fulham comes to town, it's a big game. Um, you know, I, I personally think he must be thinking, well, okay, I'm going to put the young lads in tonight. Um, Bartels are in El Hamami, I believe his name is, and when and when they actually played in the cup. It could be time to put to start to look. It's difficult, isn't it? Because away from home, he's going to go with the tried and tested. He's not going to. Hayden's not going to be fit, I believe. Yeah, I can't see. I can't see him change it too much. But I think uh, you you know the the one one player who should um, be in trouble is uh, the army for me. I think after the weekend, I think there's a number of players in trouble. Callback as well. Got a callback. I think Dummett had a stinker. Um, I think Clark picked an injury up, possibly. Um, yeah, he's supposed to think he's gonna. He's been picked for the team, hasn't he? Yeah. I don't know why he's not tried um, to think about moving Anita into midfield because Gomez looked looked solid at, at right full back at Redden. Um, there is still options to shake it up a little bit. I think the army. Hasn't set the world alight by his own admission, and I think he's at risk. Um, Gale's never going to win much with the kind of balls he was being fed at the weekend. Mm. Uh, the form striker at the minute seems to be Murphy. Mm. Uh, but who do you then pair him with? Mm. Perez has been sort of hot and cold all season. Mm. Um, so you, do you pick him and hope he's on a hot day? I, 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 yeah. it, 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 there's a lot of... Potentially could be a lot of changes for the weekend coming up, but mm. um, pers- like you, I'm not convinced there will be. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring in our main guest this evening. Uh, it's Peter O'Rourke, a uh, sports journalist, and these are all his own. At, uh, he's involved with gambleaware.co.uk. Good evening, Peter. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. This, obviously, you've got Neil Mitchell, my co-host in Dubai. Hi, Neil. Evening, Peter. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Good. I, I was going to... Obviously, you've, you've been in this, this game, I suppose, <laughs> for a long, long time. Um, with the Championship and with the Premier League, um, what's been your gauge on on um, how, how you see it? Because it, it, it seems to be getting more and more in, intense um, every single season, isn't it? And it seems to be getting bigger and bigger. But when you watch the standard of football in the Championship... And then you watch it um, of the Premier League. Uh, it there, there seems to be a massive gulf in, in how the game is played. Yeah, there's definitely a massive gulf between the Premier League and the Championship. 
But we all know that all comes down to money. The money's in the Premier League. That's why these teams at the top end of the Championship are so desperate to get in. I think I saw a stat yesterday saying like 25% of Championship managers have been sacked. Mm. Uh, it was quite mm-hmm. recently after Steve McLaren uh, got the boot at Derby uh, mm. last night. And now we've had a mm. more managerial casualty today with, with Warren Joyce leading. So that just shows the pressure that these clubs are under for success. Everybody wants to be in the Premier League. That's what Newcastle are striving to do this season to get back up at the first attempt. Because if you go there, the money on offer is just mind-boggling. The players all want to play in the Premier League as well, so you can attract better players. And also the crowds, they will pack out. Like St James's Park, it's always packed, but for Premier League games, there will not be an empty seat anywhere. So I just think the Premier League is so big. It's got such a big following around the world. The Championship... It's a well-supported league, but it's never going to compete with the Premier League because of the, the money on offer. Yeah, it's. I think when you when you see the what the Premier League offers, and the interesting thing about the Wigan guy, the, the you know the um, Joyce that was sacked at um, Wigan. Now, mm. I thought they brought him in. Obviously, it's not by Newcastle this bit, but I thought they brought him in because they wanted to change the whole structure. And he's the type of guy. He's been a man you. Uh, where they have tremendous structure there, and with the younger lads, and how they how they they should be treated, and and how they're going to bring them on, and they they bring in a guy who you look you, you've got to decide well okay we're going to give him three to four years and to to really get the team even if they get relegated to at least get the team um, to 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 be in, to play the right way or to yeah. you know and so that's that that really yes they've had a I've, I've saw the the stats, but you know that stinks to high heaven. That one I couldn't. I was like, now, who's they, who are they? Who are they going to get? Because it's not exactly somebody. That, Wigan seemed to be the one club that since um, Martinez left, they've just imploded from the chairman down to to his to his son now who's took over. Yeah, now yeah. you've got to have a plan, and he's a young he's a young lad, and you would think. He he was obviously clearly involved with bringing Joyce in. He must have seen something, but to like, there's been some bizarre side you know, managers like what's his name Zola at Birmingham. Most ridiculous yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life. Bringing a guy in who's who's basically a name, like yeah. Newcastle sexy, were like this years ago. Yeah, it was a bit of the rude Hullet job. Sexy football. <laughs> they thought they were going sexy name with uh, Gianfranco Zola, but. I think if you look anywhere where Zola's been, his managerial record is terrible. I mm. think when he took over the job, Birmingham were like seventh, I think three points mm. off, second even, I think, or in real good position for at least a playoff place. And the form has just tumbled uh, under Zola. Mm. He's already under pressure again now. And uh, I think if they had a loss at the weekend at Cardiff, he probably would have lost his job as well. So he's probably bought himself maybe another game to try and save his skin. But like you said, with Warren Joyce, it's just result, results dictate now. It's chairman, chief executives don't have any patience now to try and build something from the bottom, which we all thought they were going to do with Warren Joyce, who did a, such a great record at Man United at developing young players for the first team from the reserves, the under-23s, all the way up. But on the flip side of that, I did think it was a massive gamble to get Joyce in because he'd never managed senior pros before. And that's what he went into at Wigan. I think he found it hard to win them over. And unfortunately, the results proved that because they just couldn't get out of that bottom three all season. And it was a real relegation six-pointer against Bristol City, losing that one so late on was a real sucker punch for him. And uh, I'm sure he'll bounce back because he's well-liked, I think, in the game. But maybe he'll have to go back into the youth setup again because I think maybe certain managers are suited to certain styles. And uh, 
don't think Warren Joyce is maybe suited to being a, a manager full time at a, a senior club. Yeah, you've got to question what what Wigan did. You know, it, it, more short termism after short termism. You know, they the sat Caldwell six months after he's made League One manager of the season. Yeah, and, and he won his first year in management, and then he comes in, and then all of a sudden he's out, and they've gone with somebody, and they've said, no, no, we're going to start again, build from the bottom, blah blah blah. Four months later, it's oh well, the perilous position in the league uh, means we're going to let him go. It, 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 it really does question the, the sacking of Caldwell in the first place because could he have genuinely have done much worse? No, I, it, I've sp- they, sp- sorry, I spoke to somebody today and they said they played the exact same way they did under Caldwell. They haven't changed at all, which is just staggering. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically, they're just back to square one. That's and, and it's, it's 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 not just. I mean, this is a team who've only just been promoted to the second tier. And so are they that desperate to scramble back up to the Premier League that they'll try all these little short-term measures in the hope that they stumble across something? It's quite perplexing. Um, it, it just goes to show you that this division, once you start to get dragged into it, it's like quicksand. The more you struggle, the further you seem to get pulled in, and that's why teams seem to languish. Um, and in, in Wigan's case, they've only just got back up to it and... Now everybody's getting jumpy again. It's 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 quite quite baffling. It doesn't seem to be any end to this so-called well, it's a, it's a managerial in Europe. That's a managerial merry-go-round of championship. Everybody knows that. Mm. Once second season starts around October, it just continues more fall by the wayside. As the old adage goes, you can't build Rome in a day. And I think a lot of chairman, chief executives need to take that on board because if you keep chopping and changing, there's no uh, identity for the club to grip onto and uh, try and build from there because if you just keep changing it's going to cost them a lot more money second manager, second staff and it's just mm. going to take them longer to get where they want to be so I think in any league, not just championship you need to give the manager time to implement his style of football Warren Joyce is probably sitting at home now thinking I deserved a bit more time maybe if we had went down it might have been a blessing in disguise we could have went down to League 1 and started afresh unfortunately that hasn't happened for him and I'm sure that won't be the last second of the season. I'm sure there'll be plenty more before. Even though there's only nine games left in the championship, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more before the end of the season. It would suggest to me that there is going to be a lot more. Um, you, you, you go and have a look at, at, at something like, um, what's the website, the Sack Race. Yep. Where it list, lists how, you know, how long managers have been at the club. I reckon yeah, yeah. there's maybe only a handful, maybe he's maybe a it's certainly less than half, maybe the third of the managers at the clubs in the championship have been there at just over a year. Yeah, um, probably got Chris Shooton, who's probably one of the longer serving at the minute at Brighton. Yeah. And we know what and we know what happened to him at Newcastle, unfortunately as well. Right. So it's it's one of those yeah. ones. He's been able to bounce back and uh, get his career back on track. But for every other manager it just seems to be a merry go round, the same old names get linked with the jobs. We're mm-hmm. gonna have Alan Pardew probably back in work pretty soon at Norwich as well. Mark Kirby Warburton, Street. who's yeah, well, <laughs> it was named per- up repeatedly. Exactly, the perennial thirty-three to one shot, Alan Kirbyshley. Uh. <laughs> and uh, I think he's, I think he's best off staying now on uh, in the TV punditry because I'm not sure uh, any club would touch him right now. But again, he was probably harshly dealt with as well because he did well at Charlton, did an unbelievable job, mm. and how he did that was because he had a long time there and the, the club stood by him. He got them into the Premier League. They ended up going down in the end, but he had time to build something there. There's just no time in football anymore now. It's results, and they, they want them yesterday, really. 
Well, the thing about uh, McLaren, you know, he did exactly what he did the first time, didn't he? He got the, it was all sweet wine and roses. <laughs> When he went, when he went there, he was doing really well, and then he went and he decided to go for the buffet, didn't he? At the, at the end of the day, when he to try and you know, he, he obviously he, the thing is that's the worst thing about him. He's always been told to be a good coach. Yeah. But that's the thing. Just stay with what you're good at. If you're not, if you're not going to be a manager, to me, he he he's lost it because well, I think even at Wolfsburg and it it um, when he went 20. to. 20, yeah. yeah. He went there. He was a coach, wasn't he, Pete? He was yep. a coach. coach yeah. Exactly. He was, that's, all, that's what he should... And that's the thing is, he started... Bef- he lost his job, obviously, at Newcastle. And then he then he decided to go to um, school. And it was mm-hmm. to more or less learn the ropes of how to be like a director of football. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I exactly. thought that, for a guy that isn't smart, I thought that was quite, quite a good thing for him to do. Yep. So why would you jump... It, straight back into management it just you, you're telling yourself this is what you should do especially he the, knew yeah he knew what Derby was like he knew what the owner was like it had happened to him before so it was a massive gamble for him to do that and it could be a long way back for Steve McLaren even though he's well respected in coaching circles a lot of clubs will be worried now of giving him a management job because he's been sacked twice by Derby now in the last 17 months I know that that's the worst that, that's the worst thing is because he'll he'll take because he's he's now on the he's their own their own merry-go-round, he'll be thinking. Well, yeah, I don't be thinking. He'll be thinking. Okay, I've got a nice little payoff, but I I could finish this course, which he should have just stayed in anyway. And mm-hmm. then, or he could think, oh well, you know, the Middle East, China. Oh, yeah. they, they 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 all look at. I'm sure they're going to be looking for somebody like a, a, a name. And that's the worst thing. I like common sense. Like you know, I I personally think he still still thinks. Because his family, I think, are, are close to Middlesbrough, yep. he might still think I've got a chance to to, to go back to Middlesbrough because obviously Karanka's uh, uh, under pressure. How yep. he hasn't been, how he hasn't been sacked is beyond me. Can't believe no. that one. Yeah, it's a strange one. Why Middlesbrough just on such a poor run of form, while all the other clubs around them have made changes. Hull, mm. Swansea, and the, the changes have helped improve the team. Middlesbrough's hierarchy surely have seen that thinking change might do the same for us here and get us out of this relegation zone but the stuck with Karanka who's not universally popular with Middlesbrough fans after mm-hmm. what happened last season when he walked out and then came back obviously he got them up in the end but just by the skin of their teeth but I know he's not well liked by certain sections of the fans and uh, I think he's, he's got a few issues with players as well so I think the Middlesbrough board have probably had opportunities to get rid of him I, for me as well even though I'm not a Middlesbrough fan I wouldn't be happy having him back after what happened last season walking out of such a crucial stage of the season it would take a lot for me to forgive that but obviously mm-hmm. the Middlesbrough board did but it looks like it uh, might be backfiring on them right now because if they keep him in charge they're going down I think that's an almost certainty I think I think you're spot on there I mean I the whole situation with Karanka is quite baffling mm-hmm. um, you know we hear from the guys that are inside and around Borough Bailey, that, yeah. that there is so much so many leftover issues inside that dressing room and inside the hierarchy of the club, it's quite bizarre. And then when Karanka comes out and gives some of the bizarre, um, <laughs> aggressive press conferences that he has in the last few weeks, he's not helping his case. It's no. almost like he's got the attitude now, what's the worst you're going to do? Sack us. Yeah, all, it's almost like he's challenging the board. Yeah, we don't slag off your own fans either, do you? Which he did a few weeks back. just seems to be digging a, a bit deeper and deeper hole. It's quite quite puzzling what's going on there because I mean 
not so long ago they seemed seemed reasonably comfortable, and now all of a sudden they're second bottom, plummeting like a stone, and can't seem to get themselves out of it. And so, um, yeah, it, 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 the, the Borough situation is quite an odd one. Yeah, well, lads, the way we're talking, we're going to have two northeast teams probably dropping into the championship, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously Newcastle will be hoping that they can get out of it back up to the Prem, but Newcastle's home form would be a concern at the minute with Huddersfield mm-hmm. breathing down the, the necks of uh, them and Brighton, and it's not beyond the realms of impossibility that the three northeast teams could find themselves in the championship again next season, which would be staggering, really, considering Newcastle the way they've been, and uh, as you said, uh, Neil, earlier, Middlesbrough maybe six weeks ago, looked comfortable. You wouldn't have thought to yeah. be in a relegation fight. Yeah, I think I think after that loss, because you, you you know you you probably you've have you, you've probably seen Fulham. It's interesting, isn't it? You, I, I Fulham, all of these teams. I remember when um, when Roy was with them. You know, he he, he galvanised them, didn't he? They came yeah. back. They came back, and you never thought in a million years that they would come back and they would stay up in that season. And then you think, well, okay, they're they're a canny club. They're small, obviously, compared to Chelsea, that they're, they're no they're no way other. But um, on the same street, but that's about it. Yeah, but well, he got to he got to the Europa League final as well, Roy Hodgson. Yeah. You've got to remember. So after mm. keeping them up with that great escape, mm. he went on and did that, and that obviously helped him win uh, certain jobs like the Liverpool job, but uh, it didn't have work out in yeah, England as well. But every manager he needed time there to get things right as Fulham. But again, they've dropped off the pace. But I really like their manager. I like I like yeah. Ivanovic. I think he's a good coach. He plays football the right way as well. What did you guys think of them on Saturday? The performance, even though they got the, they got the win, I think the manner of the performance as well probably impressed. Oh, you. They killed us. They absolutely killed us. Like a, uh, you know the way that they played, the, the way that like they played with a lot of style, a lot of hunger, a lot of mm-hmm. desire, and I think um, you know yeah, I I do like their manager because when I think when they brought him in, he he came in from I can't remember Israel. where he came from. Is never really. I never knew yeah. that. He came from Israel. Yeah. <laughs> but like I'd, I'd heard the name. He, and, he, did uh, well at he was Watford as well. Sorry. Oh yes, Watford, exactly. But, yeah, Watford got them up when nobody expected them to come up. Yeah. And, they had, and when Dini and Agala was landed, then obviously Watford decided not to offer him a deal. But that's a strangely wrong club to say the least. But yeah, mm. before that he was in Israel, came to Watford, did a great job, and I think he's doing a really good job at Fulham. There's some players in that team. I'm, I'm sure you guys must like to mm. look at Tom Kearney in midfield, who yeah. Newcastle have been linked with. You'd like to see him in a black and white shirt. Well, we need we need you know we we've got one one player basically you've got Shelby, who is yep. the guy that ma- makes things tick, but that's mm-hmm. probably why they were linked with Taney because uh, you know there's so Newcastle is linked with so many players and it, yep. you know with Mike Ashley it doesn't matter does it really? Um, what, what's what's been your take obviously with when you were Sky Sports what was it like because you know Newcastle were always quite kind of we were always on TV anyway because mm-hmm. we're that type of club. But it, it was always kind of every report that came out used to drive us balmy. I've got to tell you, people, but because it, you know it, everything was more or less a dig at Newcastle, and um, yep. and plus you had Vic, who, uh, who I think still there, isn't he? Vic, Vic still involved with um, Sky, is he? Vic Wakelin. Um, I think he's taking more of a back seat now, but yeah, but oh, I yeah. think the relationship was quite good. I think the club tried to keep a lot of the PR on side with Sky in the later years when Mike Ashley was in charge. You know. They built up some good relations with uh, some reporters that they tried to have a, a positive spin on things. But the thing with Newcastle, which Sky loved, it was a soap opera up there really a lot of the time. It was never dull. There was always something happening. It was either managers leaving, managers coming, players coming here and there, big money being spent. And 
I think for them, Newcastle was a good selling point, for, especially for Sky Sports News. They, all, they always knew they could have a good story from Newcastle, and uh, they've never really disappointed. They've just been the, the changes in managers and everything else, and obviously Mike Ashley is a story in himself, isn't he? So <laughs> Yeah, that's that, uh, a Mike, problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mike, uh, he's, not, he's not the most shy and retiring uh, owner of a club, and he has his obviously outside businesses as well and everything else. But I just think everything with Newcastle is such a well-supported club that they're a big pull for Sky. And as you said, this season in the Championship, they've been on TV a lot because they are the biggest club outside the Premier League right now. And for Sky, that's going to be a big pulling factor for Championship figures to have Newcastle on most weeks. Yeah, I'm actually just showing you a goal that Fulham scored on Saturday on Sky the minute I just saw no, there, no, there you go. It's all <laughs> what was your, what's, your, um, what's your thoughts on Rafa? Because like, I was quite stinging tonight, the fact that we didn't, um, we didn't, we didn't start with um, Murphy in the team. Yep. Uh, you know, he's, obviously he's been doing everything right for Newcastle. Like, I think that defeat on Saturday was the first one this year. If I'm right, I'm not sure. But... Um, and but the thing is, he he's kind of always sticks to the script, and I think mm. um, you know he he lives and breathes football. But I think um, when we drew a couple of weeks ago, to me it's more or less saying, okay, it's funny how you bring on a striker, uh, you know, big a big lump, whoever it is, it could be Mitrovic, it could be yep. Murphy, and the team changed, and and the, we got more aggressive, and I automatically think, okay, well, you know, it's we're not playing away. Because that's the problem, isn't it? If Newcastle yeah. are being classes, a playing away team, that's not good, Pete, is it? It's not. No, especially not the home fans who turn up there looking to be entertained. I was actually at the Bristol City game a couple of weeks ago and I was surprised how poor Newcastle were in the first half. And they didn't really get going until the second half until they found themselves 2-0 down that we actually saw something. There's mm-hmm. a big flaw in the Newcastle team that I can see as an outsider looking in. If you can mark John Joe Shelby out of the game, you're... Mm-hmm very much likely going to get a result against Newcastle. I think if teams give Shelby time and space, he's, for me, head and shoulders, one of the best players in the championship. I think he could win a game almost on his own for Newcastle. He just dictates play, dictates the tempo, and I think he's been probably Newcastle's best player this season, if I'm not speaking out of turn. But I think for Rafa, he's a great manager for me. Tactically, I think in the bigger games, which he's done away at Brighton, away at Huddersfield just last week as well, he's got it right. And he's picked up big wins there. It's just when teams come in and sit in and defend, mm-hmm. and if Shelby's kept quiet, Newcastle will struggle. Dwight Gale's been a bit of a mess recently with a few injury problems because I think on his day he's a, a deadly finisher. But if Newcastle do end up going up this season, I think there'll need to be a lot of reconstruction of the squad. And I think Rafa will be demanding that he is given the money to make his own signings. We've all had the issues where he wasn't happy that nobody was brought in in January when he thought, this is a time to strengthen when we're at the top. Let's go and get some players in and get us over the line. That didn't happen, and we always always hear a few murmurs of discontent mm-hmm. maybe on the transfer side. And that would be my worry if a Newcastle fan that Rafa might just think, right, if I, it's not going to be my way, I'm out of here. And we've seen him happen in the past with Rafa. He's very stubborn and obstinate that it has to be his way or the highway. So it's going to be an interesting summer ahead for Newcastle, I think. Yeah, I think when it comes to when it comes to signings, you've got to have one person that says, "Right, I want." The, the only way Newcastle's Newcastle can be managed is by one guy, and that's it. Yeah. No, no other. There's no there's no middle ground with Newcastle. That's the problem, isn't it? Because in the past, it's always been some numbskull 
um, you know, being put in there, who is a, you know, a coach, wherever it is, because he's in the role because, well, it's not, you know, it's the yes only man. one he could get. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a yes man. He'll just do what yeah. he's told. You ain't gonna get that with Rafa. He won't stand for that at all. And I think those threats that he was not threats, mm. maybe he's maybe a bit harsh, but he was, he was giving the vibes out that he wasn't happy with the way things were dealt with. And I think in in all the summer signings, most of them have been quite good. From what I've seen, there's been a few maybe hits and misses there, but I, I agree with you, Andrew. I think you should give Daryl Mar- Murphy more of a run in the team. Mm. I think he's never let the team down when he's played. He's a goal-scoring threat. He knows that league inside out. Mm. He was a bit of a surprise signing when he was uh, brought mm. in from Ipswich, but I think given a regular run in the team, he's probably a better bet right now than Mitrovic is because I watched him against Bristol City and I thought he was absolutely abysmal. Yeah. Yeah, he, that I think we we've, we've had this chat a long, long, a long, long time about Mitrovic. Like he gets a free pass, I think, from Newcastle fan because he is, um, you know, this passion. Yeah. You know, well, if I'm not, if it's like it's like sticking Neil out there on the pitch, mm-hmm. right? And he, he, he well, obviously, I can, I could run, run rings around Neil, I'm sure. But like, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> but imagine it's like to, to me, I think of Mitrovic as being me, Neil, you on the pitch, right? I, I'm I, a, I, I, I get where you're coming from, Andrew. It, 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 what endears him to the fans is he, he, he does have that passion for the shirt. He does have that desire to play for the black and white, which which we all would want and have. Mm. Um, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. My bottom line is we just can't trust him when it matters. If mm. we've got a vital goal-scoring opportunity, if there's a penalty, can you trust him? Can you trust him to take it? And the answer every time is no. And that's why, he's, at times... If he then becomes a yellow, walking yellow or red card waiting to happen because he gets frustrated, he then becomes a liability to the team. And that's what they've got to knock out of him, and they just seem to be unable to do that. Yeah, a commitment can get you only so far. I think he's going to have to add a bit more quality for me because when he first arrived, there was a lot of talk that he was going to be maybe a new shearer or something else, a new number nine to lead the line. And I haven't seen it for me yet. As you said, he was a walking time bomb sometimes last season in the Premier League, but there's a disciplinary record it's maybe cleaned up a bit this year but the goals have gone missing and for a player of that stature of an international he should be banging goals in in the championship and he, he just hasn't done it for me this year so a lot of question marks over his future in the summer I think uh, for most Newcastle fans well I think he's gone mate there's, there's no way there's, there's no way he's going to be a Newcastle fan uh, sorry Newcastle player at the end of the season I've got that on very good authority he's gone mm-hmm. but like um you know, I think he was very, very lucky not to have gone in um, in January, and it, it, it's something about it. Thinks to me, well, maybe they're, they're waiting to they're waiting to, to sell him, and they would have probably gone. They would have just sucked it up and gone for um, Townsend to bring him back. But you still got to need that figurehead. And I think with Murphy at the start when he first came in, he wasn't fit anyway. Yep. So he's he's more or less he's one of, he's one of these guys that. You know, you you want to be able to put your faith in, and you're right. Pete. When a when a player, if if he's if he's bang at it, he scored one goal, he'll score another goal. You'll keep you'll you'll keep on going. You'll keep on yeah. scoring because you know the the good ones are like that. You know, like with Murphy, Murphy did did he? he scored a couple of goals and he kept yeah. on going. Mm-hmm. But then I think Rafa just thought you know he's played how many games did he play in the last in the last three away games? I think he played two out of three. Did he? He came yeah, on, he so he, he may have thought, well, okay, he's a bit old. Um, 
I'll take him out. He scores. He, he comes on Saturday, scores a goal straight away. A really, yeah. a really good goal. So mm-hmm. that that that's the thing for me. If you're gonna, I think the, the interesting thing for tonight, they've got players in the reserves that are, are playing tonight, and I, I just think he may he needs to rejig it, especially at home. Put put flying wingers on. Put you know make them make them go at them. Put play two up front. You can still you can still play Gale up front with um with uh, Gale. Yeah, Murphy yeah. And Gale. I think I think Murphy and Gale will be a, a, a real good combination uh, in the championship. Not sure if, if when they do go up to the Prem, that that could be the strike force in the Premier League. But I think for now, these last nine games, that's plenty of strengths. Murphy uh, for aerial ability, Gale in and around him, in and around the box. Get you two wingers getting crosses in. I think that's where Newcastle need to go back to basics now, almost. And uh, just these are going to be nine cup finals. Looks like a decent run in on paper, but. The pressure that's on them right now, and everything else, they're not going to be easy games. There is no easy games in the championship, as we know. Uh, like Fulham proved on Saturday, they went there and uh, picked up a really convincing win. You can just slip up to anybody in this league. So I think back to basics now. Get Murphy and Gale in there, and I think they'll be enough to get them over the line. Hmm. I think it's that's but this the thing is that I think because we've now got Berman, Berman away, I think. Um, what's your thoughts on Hayden? Because Hayden's been. You know, to me, he, he's got a bit, he's got a bit, he's got a bit of fire in him, yeah. and uh, but I haven't really seen much of the, you know, the, the things like you know to bring in players and make those passes. That's the problem with Newcastle. We're not, we're not really, we haven't got a lot of uh, quality that that can make things happen. Yeah, probably with Shelby and Richie are the two main creators in the team mm-hmm. for me. I, I think without those two, there does seem to be a, a lack of a. Uh, Creativity, especially in the final third. Dwight Gale's not the type who can beat a player. He's more a finisher. Mm. And uh, Christian Atsu, very hot and cold for me, I mm. think. Exactly. Wherever he's been, even on loan, he just doesn't do it consistently. So, yeah, Hayden's a good player. I've liked him. When he first came in, he started started off quite well. I think he got picked up an injury then, which left him sidelined for a bit. But he's got all the attributes. He's big, strong. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He can get about. I'm just not sure how many goals he'll score or create for you. I think he's more of a a sitting midfielder for me. I think that's where he played when he was at Arsenal as well. He could even play in a back four. So he's a bit more defensively minded for me, Hayden. But I think if Shelby is kept out of a game, I really do worry for Newcastle. I think that's where they can be uh, held back. If he doesn't have a good game, opponents can find the better of them. So John Joe Shelby probably going to be key and they don't need any more suspensions from him in the, in the crucial final weeks of the season. I think he's only a week to go, isn't it? I think, I think there's one game... That if there's if I think if Richie doesn't get booked, there's no more. Um, I think it ends. I think it ends next yeah, week yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before they play. What's your thoughts on Sunderland? Because I've got obviously a guest. Um, I've got Keith McStay, who's, who's one of my regular guests on. Yeah. What's your thoughts on Sunderland? Because that one is the you know that it seems that Victor Nitschby has just got back into training, but it's been a you, you they've got one goal scorer, but they've got a killer in four. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on them? Well, good evening, Keith. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we've got P- Peter Rourke on the phone, and um, just tell us, Peter, give give your thoughts on on Sunderland as, as um, Keith, is, Keith is here as well. Yeah, uh, well, Sunderland found themselves in this position the last four seasons. I just think this season their luck's going to run out, and mm-hmm. I think with David Moyes, he's tried hard, but he hasn't got the fans on side from the start, and mm-hmm. without the goals of the foe that have been long time buried I think already it's just a bit like Newcastle if some of the players aren't playing they lack creativity in the final third they just don't seem to have enough 
Jack Rodwell's been a massive disappointment since he's been at the mm-hmm. club. Um, we've got players like Seb Larson still there, who I think his best days are behind him. Yanisai looks good some days, and then some days he's just totally uh, anonymous in games. But mm-hmm. without the goals as Defoe, I think Sunderland would probably be already planning for the championship right now. And I think David Moyes didn't have the finances in January to go out and rectify that. He's brought in a few of his old boys from Everton, Darren Gibson, who couldn't get anywhere near that team, and Oviedo came in as well. But And each of has been a big loss for them, because mm, when he massive, came in, yeah. he was a perfect foil for Defoe, and those two looked like they were striking up a good partnership. So the long injury for him has been a big blow for Sunderland. So if they can get him back to the crucial uh, run-in here, you never know. They've been there, done it. The other teams around them have maybe not been involved in relegation fights, so that could play a big part uh, come the end of the season who does eventually go down because Sunderland they know they've been there they've got the t-shirt and the experience at this stage is pretty crucial I think because a lot of teams will be struggling uh, in the final weeks with pressure that comes with these relegation six-pointers yeah Keith no, nothing I didn't know, uh, <laughs> you know the head, though, uh, great I, I, I disagree that Moisey hasn't had the fans on side from day one he actually did the fact that he seems to be suicidal in his messages to the fans that he seems to be determined to alienate himself this year. Even this morning he came out and said, don't expect too much from the guys who are recovering. But well, the ones who aren't recovering, what we meant to expect from them? I think I, I sent a message to Richard from uh, Sunderland Echo saying yeah. that my expectation level has been set at zero for many months now. You know, we haven't been on his back um, at all, not that I've been a fan singing his name from the uh, rooftops, but the guy just doesn't seem to have the fight. And so, back to another comment you made, right or wrongly, well, look, running out, I don't think it's been luck in the past. I think uh, we've brought a manager in when it was the Canyon, mm-hmm. and that was the, the bounce factor, albeit very mm-hmm. short lived with him, but it was just enough to, you know, his craziness didn't show until afterwards survived. We, we had a few changes, you know, each time that's, that's got with, across the line. This year, I just don't think Moyes has got it in him to motivate the players to get them across the line, whether there was fitness or not. We're still talking about professional players who he's had available, and he has broke a club transfer record. He has had money, maybe not compared to other clubs, but you know, we didn't see Burnley smashing all-time records. We didn't see Bournemouth and that spending multi millions, mm. and you know, they're doing reasonably well. So. It's not all about the money, it's about the manager, and I, I think I see this with the guys every week. The man's picking up a cracking salary every every year. He's got to have it in his locker to get something more out of the players who are professional Premier League players, all being not over echelon, top four, top six. They're still earning a living, and there should be more to get out of them lads who are fit than he managed to get from them. So, uh, yes, I think whether it's luck run out or Moise is going to take with down that's just a matter of time 30 points to play for and I can't see we're getting too many of them yeah Pete it, it, it seems to me that when every time I looked at Moyes he's, he's I know it might sound a bit daft but it, does it look like to you in the way that he the way that he, after when he left Everton my United do you think broke him that experience Was yeah that question to me sorry oh, Pete sorry. yeah Pete do you think Pete do you think it, do you think it broke him a little bit because he obviously went abroad afterwards after Man United, and I thought that would have been the the, the best thing to happen for for Moyes. And but again, he goes there, he doesn't learn the lingo. It, nope. it just seems that there's a lack of with with him. 
and you can I can see why Keith gets mad because you watch him on the you watch him on the um, the touch lane and the, a lot of passion though yeah it's like he, he, but Everton my goodness it's like you know you put him in that dugout it's like it's like the man like you know the six million yeah. man or the Hulk yeah no 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 he's definitely up for it then but like you said I think he's been probably burnt by that Man United job I think he went in there with all the pressure of being the, the chosen one by Sir Alex Ferguson to replace him and we all know that he had a horrible time there the players weren't having him from the start they were giving him nicknames as well they finished seven um, and just that wasn't good enough for Manchester United as we all know and I think that job has really sort of taken a lot out of him he went to Spain to try and recharge the batteries and get his career back on track but even out there in Sociedad, he didn't have a great time. So we all thought going to Sunderland, a team, were possibly a bit maybe like Everton when he first took over. With a bit of work, he could get them on the right track. But like you guys were saying there, I think he just some of the words he comes out with in his press conference is just not not the best planned. I think he just comes out maybe in speaking too much. Uh, not even from the heart. He's just thinking, oh, I need to say these things about talking about relegation after the in the opening weeks of the season, I think in August, saying we should be expecting a relegation fight. You don't come out and say that in August. Yeah. You've still got time to get things right. The transfer window was still open then, I think, as well. So any player who was maybe considering going to Sunderland is probably thinking, Jesus, if the manager's talking about relegation, why would I want to go there? So he doesn't do himself any favours with uh, some of the statements he makes, but I've just noticed him. And like you said, he doesn't look the same person on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. He'll, sit on his, he'll sit on the dugout rather than coming out instructing as well. So it just seems... He's lost maybe a bit of that passion, a bit of that fire in his belly that he had at Everton. Maybe that was extinguished when he was at Manchester United. And I just think, unfortunately, it looks like he will be bringing Sunderland down. And uh, I don't think he'll have anybody to blame, really, but himself. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, just regarding going down, I missed the earlier part of your show, but you know this, this word about rebuilding when you go down? I don't ever see a team rebuild. What they do is they simply buy players for the championship to do a job mm-hmm. there. Let's face it, you know, it's, it's mythical. I'm sure some Newcastle fans have had certainly some good away days and made the most of them, but they're trying the hardest to get out of the Championship and back the Premiership. It's the only place to be. You don't want to stay in the Championship for long. Good away days are not new towns you've not visited. And the players you've got who are doing the job in the Championship, you'll be looking to bin them and you'll all be getting the fever who we're going to sign in the winter, the summer and January. Because nobody actually builds a team and buys 11, 12, 13 players who will think, oh, that's rebuilding. It'll be brilliant in the Premiership. Should we get back there? You pick up one or two. You actually fight for survivors. Desperate. This word rebuilding, nobody pops down to the Championship. Rebuilds comes and unearths some absolute gems of players and come back stronger for it. Just survive, do the best they can to battle to get out of the damn thing and get back up. So going down in anybody's mm-hmm. eyes is absolute nonsense you know yes for the banter you'll see oh yeah it's done mm-hmm. we're good and stuff like that it does nobody any favors in the championship you lose your best players from the premier league team and you have to buy replacements who you might well be proud of and shout their name and so on but they're not the real i ams they're not they're not the players you you wore a newcastle shirt in recent years gone by you have to make do and mend, and it's not rebuilding, it's survival, it's a battle. And Moyes hasn't got a battle in him to get we back up. 
the interesting thing about Moyes to me, Pete, is that, like as Keith mentions there, when you when you when he when he came to Sunderland, he's trying to what well, he did, didn't he? He said it's not exactly what they said in the brochure, and no. now. It, but we all with Sunderland. It's it's it seems to be it never seems to be what it's in the brochure anyway, because he, he's just he's just laid off staff. Uh, I think two weeks ago they end up going to New York for a jolly. So can yeah. imagine how much that cost. So you're telling me they couldn't have they couldn't have cancelled that and gone somewhere cheaper. Could have went to bloody Bournemouth. Could same weather. So it doesn't it doesn't matter where they go. So and yet that's why to me he's he's looking for a way out, but. To me, if if he's gonna kick up a stuff, you'd have thought he went, would have went in January and said, "Listen, the the the, man, the chairman told me this, that, and the other." He could have broken his contract, took no more money, and gone back to the the punditry, which he I believe he likes. So, yeah. um, it's just to me, it's a bit as a, even as a northeast fan, it's a hard hard to take when you think, well, okay, no matter what he does from now on, if that team goes down, that's on him. So you would yeah. think he would absolutely... That's probably why you see more reaction now from Rafa than what I've ever seen him at any other club. Um, he, you know, he, he really lives and breathes what he's doing. And yeah, we got beat the weekend, but normally every game you watch him, he's, re- he's up there, he's, he's kicking every ball. But with Moyes, it's always going to be on his, his CV that he took Sullen down, Pete. Yeah, you don't want that on your CV. No manager wants mm. failure on their CV, and uh, that's what it looks like. It's going to be on David Moyes uh, come the end of this season. But I think Moyes, he just keeps coming out with these vibes as well. I think he's come out and said there's been broken promises as well, that he mm. wouldn't have taken the job in the first place if he had known certain things about the finances of the club and how Ellis Short is going about things. But just to be coming out and saying that's just, it's all negative. There's no positive frame of mind there's from no, David Moyes. There's no point. Exactly, that just seeps, seeps through to the players, to the fans. There's no positivity from the manager, the man at the top. You're not going to get it anywhere else. And unfortunately for Sunderland, uh, it's just going to end up costing them relegation. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's going to be a big change at Sunderland. My my concern from them would be if Moy stays in charge, could things get even worse before they even get better in the championship? Andrew, get this man off. Get him off now. We don't see it being in charge. <laughs> that's, we, that's my only hope about relegation that somebody else comes in. Goodness me, that's me silver lining. You're killing us. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's that's the the issue. It's all going to be with Son. It's like, well, to me, it doesn't make any sense, Pete and and uh, Keith. The fact that Ellis Shaw says this is the guy we've always wanted. So it doesn't matter the feel for the feel good factor that Sam brought because Sam did, you know, really, you know, by hook or by crook, he did what he was supposed to do. And the only reason he left was because of the England job. So you, yeah. I don't think he would—I don't think he would have ever left anyway, unless the England job came up. And he's finding it a bit more difficult at Palace, even though he's got bet, far better players than the Sunderland <laughs> players. So line, for me, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and that's that's the truth of it because they, they have got far better players. So you know, it, it's not been a great—it's not a great thing for Ellis Shaw to say, I'm, "This is the guy I want to bring in." Oh, by the way, I'm selling the club. Yeah, it makes it makes no logical business sense, does it? Just soundbites, I think. It was it was no secret though. Like, like Moyes had, had said, after only two or three games, expect rele- relegation battle because you've seen it for the past five six seasons. 
So there was no surprises, no matter what he had in that meeting with Ellis Short. Mm. We've, we've covered this many weeks over. Mm. He would have still had a good idea because he must have thought, hey, Ellis is telling us everything's rosy and I'm, I'm going to get X, Y and Z. But it doesn't seem to have happened. You've got to remember, these guys in football, footballers and football managers do talk to each other. You know, and he would have had a good indication. He must have spoke to Sam. We've said this before. Mm. He was under... He hasn't totally had the wool pull over his eyes. And even if he has, stuff at his own personal, professional pride, mm. plus the paycheck he's getting each week, should have said, well, look, I'll work around that. I'll work with the new restraints. And by the way, these restraints that I've pointed out, he still had a greater uh, spending spree than some other clubs in the in the Premier League. So he can't complain. I mean, goodness me, Ndong's our world record, Jilabodji, eight and a half million. You know, we're talking about huh, where where Budge ever came from, I'll never know, and how quick we can get him back there, even at a loss <laughs> of a free. But this is the reality. It's not as if he's had zero money. So I, I just don't get it. He's had his salary. He's had the job. He's got his own pair of eyes and ears. And if he thinks he's had his pants taken down by Ellis Short at a, at a meeting pre-season, all, all chairmen, with, well, I'll say all, with very few exceptions, they're not there for the football and reasons that a fan would like, and even a football manager would like. He would always want more. They always want more. So I, I don't get it. I just don't get it with Moyes. He's got his job. He's got his salary. He's got the players he's got. And he had a checkbook with a certain amount of money to spend. He spent it badly. His freebies have been decent, albeit sadly an injury for Victor. But I think the man's clueless. Mm. Honestly, he gives... Like Frank Spencer in the early days, although that became Blackadder, uh, well, not Blackadder, Mr. Bean, a run for his money, Blackadder has something far more educated and tactically aware than them. Um, Very good, I like that bit. For Frank Spencer, I haven't heard that name in a while. Um, well, he's a double of them, hey, that's a good one. He is, actually, it's a good look, I like He's as much like Frank Spencer as is what Vardy is to step, though, there's no doubt about it, except the <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, the thing is, actually, when it, something a bit light now, but tell me, what's it like work when you were obviously work at Sky? What's it yeah. like being there when the the ladies on there? You've got some of the most beautiful women like I've ever seen on TV. It's very hard to watch sometimes. I'm telling you. But in, and the second question is, yeah, what's it like when when the it all kicks off, especially when the the grey and casing situation happened. What's that like being involved in that situation? You can pick whichever one you want to start with. But yeah, well, we'll start. We'll start with Grays and Keys, which was uh, female related as well. Also, yeah. um, uh, there was a lot of uh, skullduggery that went on behind the scenes on that one. I think Andy Gray and Richard Keys had a lot of power and control at mm. Sky. They've been there from the start, and uh, they obviously rubbed a few people up the wrong way, and uh, people got saw that as their way of maybe a revenge, maybe a bit harsh, but a way of maybe taking them down a peg or two, which it ended up doing. But for me, they did a great job for me at Sky, those mm-hmm. two. I know a lot of people didn't like them, but mm-hmm. Andy Gray was the voice of football at that point for everybody who watched football on Sky. Mm-hmm. He did pretty much every program at the time, and mm-hmm. they're now obviously doing it uh, in different far fields, now doing their Premier League coverage and still getting them as much uh, money, if maybe not more now, right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a big issue. Obviously, you were all told to keep it in-house when you were mm-hmm. at Sky, trying to keep things uh, quiet. Don't be feeding the media with any little... Mm-hmm. Uh, snippets and anything there but yeah it was an unfortunate episode but uh, I think it had been coming for a while and getting on to the women um, 
Yeah, it's good if you're working down there. You can have a look at the ladies as well. Uh, there's no complaints from me on that front. But um, some of them maybe not as knowledgeable as others. There is some of the of the girls there who are pretty passionate about the sport, passionate about their football as well. While there is some maybe others there just there for the eye candy for the fans at home watching and obviously the decision was taken by the bosses to, to get the, the good looking ladies on there to try and uh, improve viewing figures and I, I think it's worked most of the time yeah I think the, probably the only thing that um, I think it becomes a bit of a soap opera with you know with transfer deadline and probably the biggest wind up merchant I've known to man is is Jim White um, yeah. I think when when he's on uh, obviously, he's got his own show, hasn't he, as well, on radio. Uh-huh. Um, the the one thing I think he's, you might be able to you know, understand this, but, but you know, in, a, in the US, they do a similar thing. You know, when somebody's talking, they feel like they have to look into the camera. Oh, yeah. And, and the, so, so when when you're there, is, is that what's, if that's what kind of happens? You, you have to, everybody has to engage the audience, but every time mm-hmm. I've been in an interview, like I've done a few myself, so they always say to look at the person, not the camera. Yeah. You know, so uh, uh, the 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 one thing is, but if and I've noticed it a lot in, in on the Sky News as well. When they talk to somebody, they, they especially Jim White's the worst actually, but he uh, can be having a conversation with somebody in front of him, and he looks back at the camera for a let, and uh, you would think, yes, we, we seem to adapt a lot of things from the US. But if somebody's talking to you, just to me, it's just a wind up because uh, what's it like on transfer deadline day for you? Because it seems, you know, it's it seems to it seems to get out well outweighing its usefulness, even though they're gonna they're gonna obviously continue oh, with yeah, it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the biggest day on at Sky Sports News by a Country Mile. They put a lot of into it. Jim White's the central focus of it. It almost becomes a Jim White show mm. at some points, and uh, it just gets fans talking. It gets people talking online, social media. So that's mm. not going to change as long as that is still happening and people are tuning in to see it. Even though Jim White might act a bit uh, abnormal and uh, be in people's faces and be loud and pretend that he's got six phones and that he's talking to all these people and everything else. <laughs> People will continue to watch it. It's the biggest driver of Sky Sports News. Their viewing figures on deadline day are through the roof compared to any other day of the year. So they'll keep driving it. Me, myself, I think it's uh, fallen by the wayside a bit. The mm-hmm. deadline day, people are just people are losing interest in it now. All the, the yellow tie and the yellow mm-hmm. ticker and all that. It's just the last few January transfer windows especially have just been a bit of a damn squib. There's not been many big moves and... I think clubs are becoming more savvy to not doing the business on deadline day, but as long as Sky have their way, they're trying to make it a public event. Transfer mm-hmm. deadline day is a public holiday for them almost, where they'll have people uh, interacting with them on social media as if they're taking the day off, or mm-hmm. what's, what's Jim White going to do, or what ties he's going to be wearing, and everything. It's just took over a bit, and uh, for me, it lost sort of the, the news factor, which transfer deadline should have been, it became a bit of a soap opera. Yeah, he's done that deliberately. Though it is Habers, and they've, they've, they've obviously asked him to camp it up, and obviously yeah, yeah. totally they like, can the part up. But realistically, now in the day of like instant social media, there'll be some little dude hanging around at a, at a football ground, snapping somebody with his like smartphone and sharing it with millions of people. And it might just be some little kid who's nicked off school and seeing a player turning up at the back door of somewhere. So. You know, you can nick information now so much quicker than even Sky can, no matter what they're doing, who got stand at the front door. 
Luckily, under Moisey, they haven't had too much to do travelling north. <laughs> yeah, we have it. Yeah, I think it, uh, that's the thing, is it? I think um, the fact that deadline day is such a big thing that you can come, you will probably see a time where it'll just be one window and that'll be the start of the season. They'll try and end January because yeah. you, there's so much opposition to it. But to me, it's like, well, I don't. Would it not be far, far, far more exciting for Sky if if the window was open, um, you know, all the way through the year? I think. Yeah, we don't like think it used to be more. Yeah, like it used to be. I don't think there was any wrong with that uh, myself. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously, they used the transfer window in the summer deadline day and in January as a, a big driving force in the, their viewing figures that became their own day. They they almost thought that they came up with the, the idea when obviously it wasn't. It came from FIFA and all above them but I just think it would give more news to everybody and I think it would be a fair way of trading for every club because you'll see clubs now no window open able to make signings if even they had an injury crisis right now they'd be really struggling so mm-hmm. and for a lot of players maybe in the under 23s can't go out and loan either now with the loan window being abolished so I think they're just stuck there maybe playing 23s football when they could be going out and loan like Adam Armstrong did mm-hmm. last season as well scoring goals and always out and loan this again this season but loan moves if you don't move in January or the summer you're stuck at a club and you might not just get that experience which they could all benefit from by going out to a League 1 League 2 club to play man's football I think it I think it definitely helps the big clubs anyway doesn't it the, you know the, the, if the window is open all year um, you know the thing is it, it, it's never going to happen is it though as far, as far as they're concerned it's you know the, the two windows are the, are the big thing and everybody looks forward to it but to me, it affects the whole window because people, the big, the other clubs, the bigger clubs, are just going to wait and wait and wait for the dominoes to fall, aren't they? Because yeah. one player goes to one club and um, you know another goes. It, it just seems everybody seems to be waiting for this one day, the 48 hours, 72 hours before anything happens. It it just become it, it you know it's it's all about salesmanship of it. Um, is it the? Do you think that? There's too much such. There's to me. There's too much saturation of football now. You've got the the Chinese league, which I would never watch in in a month of Sundays, um, mm-hmm. and plus you got the MLS, which is even worse to watch. Uh, <laughs> in, that's the thing is, in, but Sky are buying them all. It, it seems to be, but it seems to be an unlimited amount of money. Uh, but but on the flip side of it, they're losing. They're losing uh, lots of um, you know match lots of uh, you know uh, the the Champions League they've lost a few contracts lately yeah no exactly you can't buy everything especially when you've got competitors out there and there's talk of mm. Facebook getting involved in football as well now which will be a more competition as well but the Premier League's the king pinned for Sky if Sky were ever to lose the Premier League right I think the whole company would be in a major problem so I think when you see this next TV deal come around we thought the money last time was way way too much I think they'll probably exceed it again to ensure they don't lose out because it looks like BT aren't going away. They've just spent $1.2 billion on the Champions League and Europa League, even though their viewing figures for those two competitions aren't great. So they seem to be becoming major competitors in the sport. And for Sky, they've got a serious rival right now, I think, in BT, who are already established as a major business, not just on sports. So this next TV deal, I think there's been talk of uh, more interest from America, and I just think that's going to put the prices up even more which will in the end cost the fans who will have to pay even more for subscriptions 
Yeah, I think that that's the problem, isn't it? Because like, I must be if I was going to watch football. I know Keith. Keith, I know you've got to go. Thanks so much. I'll catch you. I'll catch yeah. you next week. Okay. No problem. No. Right, Thanks, mate. Guys, Cheers, mate. Give me a score. Give me a score. Oh, God, well, we're not going to keep a clean sheet, so I've got to go 2-1 for us. 2-1. <laughs> All right. Well, good. good Good to start a positive for Sunday for a change, eh? Optimistic, you see. Optimistic. <laughs> see you later, fellas. <laughs> okay. See you later. Cheers, mate. Yes, Thanks see. a lot. Um, so, sorry, I forgot what I was saying now because he put me off. <laughs> I really had to go. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> I forgot. Talking about TV and everything else. Oh, yeah. Much saturation. Yeah, the thing is, like, NBC... You know, they they show every game live in the US. Well, why is it the fact that we, as fans, we we can't pick the games that we want to watch? I don't. Why? Is, you would think um, teams, especially Newcastle, after after the game is finished, you know, they actually do show the game in the full ninety minutes of it. Why can fans, especially in England, not able to watch what they want to watch on that day? Yeah, I think they can do that in France as well. You can watch any game on their TV oh, really? uh, wherever you. Whatever you whatever time, uh, just the restrictions that uh, I think the Premier League, the Football League, don't want their attendances affected. Because if you could watch your own team at three o'clock at home every mm. week, you might not travel away to watch them, and that will affect attendances and probably affect the overall state of the game. So I think that's probably the main reason behind that. They don't want the attendances at crowds to go down. I think that the impact on the whole league is the football league structure. Because if you've got some teams. Um, where fans might be decide, no, we're going to go, I don't know, let's pick one at random, Lincoln, or we're going to go to Lincoln today, ah, well, but the Man United Chelsea kicks off at 3 o'clock this afternoon, yeah. or we'll stay at home and watch that. Mm-hmm. And it's going to affect everything in the in the tier, it'll affect every, every club in the tier if it's allowed. I mean, from my point of view over here in Dubai, we can watch anything, anytime, anywhere. Yeah. It's, it, it's all, and that's where most of the the streams come from are obviously from this part of the world and from India and so um, and, and they've got a job on to fight that I know they're talking about um, questioning the legality of the software on some of the some of the Cody boxes and things like that that people yeah. use but I mean it, it, yeah. the, the, the fact that this is all done worldwide is, they're mm-hmm. never going to no you can't stop that down. no no there'll be sense. two or three Pubs are clubs who are pulled out and taken advantage, uh, taken made an example of, as something to scare people. And but you're never going to stop it. You really aren't. And I think they're daft to not think about finding ways to let people buy into it. Because I mean, now from a Premier League point of view, this is the first season ever that actually there's more money coming in from outside of the game than from the fans themselves. And so actually, for some some clubs, they'll not care whether the stadiums are full or not. Mm. Um, and it's a very different dynamic. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's. I think um, it's going to be. You know, I, I don't know what it's like. You know, I think Lee Johnson just joined us this evening. Good evening, Lee. Hello. Uh, uh, we've obviously got Pete Rock on the line. So, uh, Pete, the thing is, when you go to the games now, and even though the the, the championship, you know, is getting more and more competitive. When you go when you go to the games, there is a distinct lack of um, atmosphere in all the in most of the, the grounds um, than what it used to be years ago. Uh, Lee obviously goes most weeks, um, and that's a problem. That Newcastle are having difficulties with with the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, is that due to saturation, or it's just so many so many choices now? I think that's a part of it. Saturation. People watch too much football. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think it's not a working class man's game anymore when uh, mm. a football event at the weekend was a big event for everybody in a household working class. They mm. look forward to going to that. But now a lot of fans just turn up, not just the Prawn Sandwich Brigade, they just go there looking to be entertained without actually cheering on their own team as well. They just go there and expect to be entertained, especially higher up in the Premier League. You see a lot of the big clubs like Arsenal, Chelsea, there'll be no atmosphere whatsoever. They just go there to see uh, the football without actually getting behind their team. And at the end of the day, you'll see your team will play a lot better if your fans get behind you, I think. So if we can get back to those days, that would be what everybody would like. But unfortunately, the way fans are these days, they're more interested on their phones than they are actually watching the game. Yeah, exactly. Thanks enough for coming on, Pete. I know you've been, yep. been on for now. I don't know you only expected 20 minutes, but it's been, <laughs> it's been an hour. <laughs> I'll speak to you more about it. We'll try and get other people that you know on the show as well. So thanks so much for coming on, Pete. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye now. So, so, uh, Lee, when it comes to the atmosphere, is it still as bad as what I think it is at at the ground? Uh, I don't know if I've had this conversation before, I think, but uh, I think it's pretty much... um, I think if you go to most uh, grounds these days, any home grounds, certainly the bigger grounds, I think most of the, I don't think the atmosphere is the best. Um, away fans seem to make more noise than the home fans. I have to say in terms of ourselves, our ground, um, we seem to be, our fans and our fans in the ground seem to be at their best when the back's against the wall. Mm. Um mm. There's been a culture, obviously, this season of turning up, think we're going to win 3 and 4 nil. So if we actually go a goal down, then it does affect the atmosphere dramatically and there's only certain segments of the ground which kind of sing, etc. So, yeah, I prefer, like I said, I think when, when the back's against the wall or if you're playing a Man United or a Chelsea when you don't think you're going to win today, um, the atmosphere sometimes is a lot better as mm-hmm. the game kind of progresses and it stays tight. Except you might get something to do, but when you play, I don't know, Bristol City, for example, the other week, when people are turning up, thinking we're going to beat Bristol 2s, 3s, 4s, 5s. I have to say, the reaction setting off in the atmosphere was good uh, when we were mm-hmm. getting back in the game, but I do think there's been a massive overreaction to the atmosphere at the ground, because uh, I was there on Saturday, and I didn't mm-hmm. think it was as bad as what people made out. Um, yeah. I'm in the corner, I reckon I heard the odd person doing it, just a dull end, what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, do I, you know, I, I think that's modern day football, sadly, Andrew, I think obviously a lot of people, you do get a lot of day trippers, obviously, uh, expensive football these days, so yeah, like that fellow was saying there about the working class and things like that, people can't afford it as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, right, I must be. I was at the university, Newcastle University, last week, and there were tickets given away for 17 quid. So, and mm. that's in the Melbourne. So it's definitely uh, possible now if you, you know, if, if you go, if you're a student to, to get to, to, to get a ticket. We yeah, so it's... Make, they do have to make football more affordable as far as I'm no, definitely. Families, uh, but uh, it is, uh, but <laughs> once they, as they continue, can continue to sell their products, they'll not put mm. it down. Yeah, well, well, you know, when you, you saw the obviously you saw the game. Were you su- considering that the fact that we had a great run of three three games away from home? Um, what was your thoughts when you saw the lineup? Because I must admit, I felt the same way as I did the last time we were at home. I had you- no problem. I had I had no problem with the team. I mean, we've pretty much done that all season. Um, regardless of playing one up front, 
the, the key and the key element for me is that I do I didn't think we defended from the front. I didn't think we I didn't think we put enough pressure on Fulham. Fulham Fulham um, passed the ball around a lot at the back and they kind of did that without being unchallenged and moved it and, and moved it through us quite freely. Um, as the dust settled on the game and I've had time to reflect on it, mm. um, first and foremost, I have to see a Fulham while standing. Probably mm. the best football inside I've seen since James's Park for a long time. They were outstanding, so take nothing away from them. Mm. And uh, since obviously that game, I've heard they have the second best away record in the, prim- in, in the championship behind us. So right. they were absolutely outstanding. But as for ourselves, we did a lot of travelling um, in the last in, in the last 11 days. Mm. You know, Brighton, Redden, we put a lot of effort in at Brighton. We put a lot of effort in Redden. We put a lot of effort in at Huddersfield. You know, you know, they, they worked so hard to close the game down, to try and keep it tight. So it give us a platform to win the game. And we looked a bit leggy. We actually did look leggy. Mm-hmm. We looked a little bit jaded. There was something not right. Uh, we didn't close down the ball enough. And yeah, with the home games, uh, the, the thing is at the moment, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think we need to maybe just let the shackles off a little bit, let mm-hmm. the reins off a little bit. Maybe not against Fulham, um, but you know, Bristol City the other week, we ultimately should have been doing the press and we should have pushed them back. They came and attacked mm-hmm. us from the off and scored two goals, obviously. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, the second one being a mistake, but you know, they came with the intent to attack. We didn't sit back. And you know, our next two home games are Wigan and Burton. You, you would imagine Wigan and Burton will come and sit in, but maybe mm-hmm. looking at the last couple of results, they'll think, well, we might as well have a go here. No one will expect us to win anything. But if Newcastle... If Newcastle come up from the off and push, I would see a good 10 yards further field, further up the field. Because, yes, in reality, at some point, we are sometimes playing like the away side. We're, we're, bringing, we're letting teams come on to us. And we're, we're giving them the option to come and try and beat us. But I think we need to up the tempo at home and you know, kind of put the pressure on them. But I've seen, obviously, the overreaction. And I do believe it's an overreaction because ultimately before the Brighton game, Andrew, when at the Brighton game, a point behind Brighton. Mm. Still above them. We'll level on points with them. There's nine games to go. I'd rather be in our position than Huddersfield or Brighton's. Mm. I yeah, think I, I, yeah, I had that with Neil earlier earlier this evening. Because that, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's when you when you play the way that we're playing at home, and we're having more and more problems because it is it's starting to seep in now. Everybody's expecting something. There's something off at home, and the only way to like you, like you said, is to up the tempo, take the shackles off, and go for it. You've got to change the team from the off. You can't play the same team. And the fact that he hasn't seen what happened the last time at home, even with the three games away, that's the one thing that upset me, is that, okay, it, you know, it's not a question of bringing on Mitchell because he's passionate. It doesn't matter to me. You, you put it on Murphy. Murphy does exactly what he says on the tin. He's going to give you the hold-up play. You can bring in the team. You could Shelby, whoever it is, in that middle. They can look. There's, there's two ways that Fulham were going to be in trouble on, on Saturday. And yes, they were a good team. They, you know, they played Newcastle off the park, let's be honest. But like... And that's the thing is you've got to you've got to go at them different ways. You, it's not a question of saying, "Oh, in, Ra- in Rafa, we trust." Yes, we do. We, we, I think we all think that. Whatever happens at the end of the season, if he leaves, whatever. That's that's not that's for another day. But the fact that he hasn't that he didn't break like to me, 
you've got a guy who's probably on acid just waiting to play against his own team, for God's sake. Within within two minutes of coming on, he bloody scores a goal. Now, yeah. if the abject, which they were, Neil, if at half-time that team is abject, you make two substitutions, you make one, whatever it is, you do what's must. The interesting thing about tonight is that you've got the young lads got, playing. Yeah. I think, Ben, you've got, what you've got to bear in mind there, Andrew, you see it make changes at half-time, but you've got to bear in mind it was only 1-0 at the time. Yeah. You weren't 2 or 3-0 down. Yeah. It was 1-0 at half-time. And we, we, were, we were in the game. Yeah, mm. when, the, when the second and third goal in, then he makes the change. Mm. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's the two, two goals came pretty quickly and then we, we got one back. And um, What was your thing about, again, people leaving it at 59 minutes because it seems like an infection or disease. Like, it, obviously, the sun, a, lot, a lot of times Sun have been beaten out of sight and their fans are leaving, but... It seems the the press seemed to jump on it quickly, and the one thing it didn't seem in the press is that a lot of Newcastle fans were streaming out after 59 minutes. Ah, what I was happening in your few, end? I've seen a few stand up and go, or yeah. whether, and it, or, or I don't know what they were doing, and I was looking going, where you you Burke's used lot, aren't you? But <laughs> I mean, you know, given the way the scene has panned out, I, I mean, a three 0 I still thought I was looking at the clock when we get one here. You know, we'll get, we can get back in the game. Even when Murphy scored, I thought, right, we've got a chance to get them back in here. So we can just put them under a little bit of pressure and get the next goal. I don't understand that. I think, I personally think the team, you've got to look at the season as a whole. And the team, this team, or this club, or this this squad, deserve better than what they got from a lot of the fans on Saturday. Mm. You know, you've got, to, you've got to look at the season in context. You've got to look at the whole thing, the whole picture. You've got to look at what they've done in the last 11 days. When we, when we started at Brighton, most of us would have been probably snap your hands off for seven points out of the next four games, which we had. You know, the problem was, was the way it, with the way it come about, you beat Brighton, you beat Huddersfield, you draw at Red and then you go and lose at home to Fulham. But mm-hmm. that is, well, as I said before the game kicked off on Twitter, it'll just be like Newcastle United to go and beat Brighton and Huddersfield away from home, but then lose, but then lose at home to Fulham. That's what we do. I think we've done it all my support in life. You know, we'll go and do something extraordinary and then you know then then kind of let you down and such but then you've got like I said you've got to look at it in context you've got to look at what they've done over the last couple of weeks you've got to look at the, what they've done this season we're top of the league we're still top of the league going in the last nine games the players deserved better than what they got on Saturday in terms of the reaction when it went 3-0 down because they have put in some hard yards over the last couple of weeks they have they worked their bollocks off against Brighton against Huddersfield and against Redden to keep the points ticking over. Taking out our two biggest rivals as well in the upstart. I mean, the other day, yeah, they've gained points back on us, but again, we are in the box seat. I've looked at our fixtures, got a tough game on Saturday, but we're away from home. This is where we seem to do the business. I can see us winning on Saturday. And then you go into two, two winnable home games, Burnham and Wigan, and as long as we're starting the front foot, which I think Rafa will certainly look at, has to look I, at I, it, I, yeah. I, reckon he, I reckon he'll have watched that game back about ten times since Saturday. Mm. You know, because he'll be he'll be on it. And he keeps talking about this month that's coming up. This is so key, this this month of April, seven games. And I hear people say, Oh, what is Phil gonna lose another game this season? What a load of bollocks. Mm. Absolute rubbish. They got they lose football matches and so will Brighton. So mm. you, at the end of the day, we're in the box seat, people need to calm down, people need to actually give the players better than what they got on Saturday. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think he's popped out somewhere, I think. Um, I, 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 I agree. I think... Um, I, I do think it's a wake-up call, especially at home, that Rafa got and the, the, a lot of the fans got. I think it, it should change his thinking um, because, you know, the, the the one thing is it just depends who Wigan bring in, doesn't it? Because you've got to think, well, Zola needs a result Saturday. I'm not even, I'm not even sure it's on TV really at the moment. Um, I'm not sure if, um, if, you, if the Birmingham game is live on TV. But um, are you going down, are you? Uh, yeah. What time is it on? Is it on three o'clock? Yeah, it's just normal three o'clock. Three o'clock, so it won't be on TV then. But like, um, that, if you when you look at the game that Brighton have got, I, I think Huddersfield are at home, I think, but Brighton have got Leeds away on Tough Saturday. Away Leeds. Tough game that one, isn't it? So and it's like you know they, will, they drew will, on Andrew, Saturday. There's going to be twists twist and turns. People keep saying, "Oh, these have got easy run-ins and all that." Hmm. Let's be let's be right here, right? Our, regardless of our home form, right, our home games left are um, Wigan, yeah. um, Burton, Leeds, Preston, and Barnsley. I mean, sorry, I can't. You can't ask for five better home fixtures than that, right? You can't. Right. You can't. They set of fixtures that. It, yeah. Exactly. You can't. You cannot ask for better fixtures than that. And at the end of the day, yes, we've took a bit of a we've took a bit of a knock, bit of knock to our confidence. Of course, a lot of the fans. Um, Noses were knocked out of shape on Saturday, but like I said, I, I personally think that these players deserved better than what they got inside the ground at three 0 on Saturday because of the hard yards that they put in in the last few in the last week or so against Brighton, against Huddersfield, against Reading. Ultimately, you, you've got to bear in mind, Andrew, we went with a mantra to them three games where we were going to keep it tight, make it hard to, to, to be break down, and then try and catch them. We did it at Brighton, we did it at Huddersfield, we nearly pinched it at Reading. So. They deserved better, but yes, I'm not going. I'm all. I'm not going to not necessarily criticise the manager because you can't criticise. Of course, you can. I just mm. believe we need to up the tempo at yeah, home. I agree. And yeah, push, people, the, push yeah. people back from the start. And when you play your Wiggins, when you play your Burtons, if we're not the team on the front foot, I, I would be a little bit concerned because we should be. We should be at them from the start because. You would imagine they're going to come here and defend. We should not be giving them an inch to get out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but this, this is all all relevant, isn't it? I mean, mm. what's, we've been saying a lot of this all season about at mm. home, why it was such a different beast. And why aren't we... Because he's not playing two up front. <laughs> or Andrew, he's never going to, though. So just leave I don't it. think it's, it's necessarily two up front, though. Yeah. Well, no, I, I don't do, 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 do you not think, Lee, that two If he plays... Well, obviously now... Uh, he's obviously got a lot of confidence in uh, Murphy, but I, I didn't understand why he didn't pay uh, Murphy Andrew, and Gill. At, at home uh, on the front foot, that system's effectively four front, or it should be. Of course yeah. it is. You yeah. don't have to. You don't have to have two up front to push the team back over. End of the day, you've got you know, for example, I don't think I think Fulham had one man up front. Matt Carney was in behind on Saturday, mm. and all they did. What I would see is Andrew. I believe we need to move ten yards further forward at home. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So yeah. that would be that would be your wingers, and yeah. that also would be Darmy. That would be Dar- that would be Darmy moving forward. Who was ever's in the hole? So you move that you move that back four back, instead of when you when you when they when you give possession to them, dropping off to the halfway line. We don't need to do that. You can defend mm-hmm. from the front, full court press like in basketball. And I just believe in this league mm-hmm. that 
I under, I would I would understand that against you know when we were, went towards the end of last season when we nearly stayed up when we played Man City yeah. at home yeah. it was effective because you were playing on the counter attack you were trying mm. to play on the counter attack against Man City but not a Burton not a Wigan not a Fulham not a Bristol City the other week we full mm. court pressed Bristol City second half being two 0 down that, that that's what we need to do from yeah, the off I agree. Yeah, know, but, that's but, what I'm saying, but I yeah. but I have but I have to say the team itself. After I'd settled down and thought about it, I thought we looked leggy on Saturday. I actually did think we looked leggy on Saturday. And I know what, I've said it before, I had a pampered to get the best treatment, the gun all over. But we did a lot of miles. We did a lot of miles in them seven yeah. days. A lot of miles. And it might have took it out of it, and they worked incredibly hard in them three games. Mm-hmm. Incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think they were let down in the stands a little bit, certainly when it went to 3-0. I, I was shocked when I saw the coverage of fans leaving at 59 minutes, I must admit. I didn't expect to see that. I, I must admit. Yeah, it was it. like, I watched it, it was like from uh, the Shark Bar, somebody had a camera there, and on 59 minutes you saw them all streaming out from all sides of the ground. It was it was quite surreal because normally we only ever kind of see that when wow. last remember when we were in relegation before Rafa, never, never, before never, Rafa took never. over. I've never in my life left before the whistles ended, and that's and that's not because I'm a super fan, mm. because you never know what's going to happen. Mm. Take 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 Arsenal at home, for example, four 0 down. Mm. Take take Norwich, for example, three one down, going at the last five minutes. You never know what's going to happen. That's the beauty of football. Sometimes it happens. Barcelona the other night, some nuggets, plenty of nuggets would have walked out and missed the greatest comeback in Champions League history. Mm. You know. These things happen, and to be honest with you, if you're still in the ground when a miracle like that happens, you never forget it. <laughs> but you would if you're in the pub, you'd be like, "Oh God, why did I leave for?" Well, there you go. You get. I mean, I laughed that night when we did that against Norwich because I was looking. I was thinking, "Get in, all them morons who left." You know, right? Yeah, I think. Um that, that that was the problem. Is I think we're, I think a lot of people see these things, see other other teams when the going gets tough. You know, the easiest thing is the going gets tough, the tough get going. But it's you know, it's a, there's a song about that, I believe. But like that's why I couldn't understand. I thought, well, okay, but it's Newcastle. Anything can happen. But I, I do I do say I think I think you're right when it comes to the the fact that we've got to play intensity more at home. Um, I, I think because he's, I just think he's caught, you know, because he is. We always like the fact that we've never really had a, uh, a cautious, um, uh, you know, we, Newcastle. We need to be cautious, and that's the thing. Uh, on a separate subject, Atu won't be at Newcastle next season. I know that. Just so let you know, he won't be there next season, though. But like, because uh, the, the problem, uh, because he's again, he, he's he's uh, too hot and cold, and I think. Um, the, 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 that's what he's, he's, been he's said using, already. He's using he's using the tools that he has in front of him yeah. to try and get us out of this league. Yeah, and we are we are currently on target. We are currently on point. We mm. have nine games to go. If we can get a positive result on Saturday, then we have a two week break, which I actually I normally hear at the international days, but I think it's actually coming in at a good time. Good time for us to, to recharge their batteries sit down and focus because Rafa Benitez has continually said the month of April is going to be mentally demanding there's seven mm. games in it seven mm. games in it and if we can and if we can pick up points on Saturday away at Birmingham 
um, pick up three points that will set, set up nicely, nicely for that month. And, 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 it, and, and at the end of the day, you've got to remember, Saturday was our first defeat since the 2nd of January. Yeah. The 2nd mm-hmm. of January. And we've been... It puts yeah. Huddersfield and Brighton's form into perspective. Absolutely. As well. You know, I, I don't think you've had a, three teams going at it the way we three have all season. No. You know, normally there's, there's one breakaway leader and then the second place is contended by two or three. This, this, yeah. It's a long time since the championships had a race like this. Mm-hmm. True. I agree. Actually, t- talk, talking about uh, talking about the US, talking about the the race. Uh, my regular guest is ever with Lee and uh, Neil. It's Chris Pyrick of the US. Uh, has is there has, has there been an overreaction to Saturday? Do you feel, Chris, in your opinion, from the American side of things? Well, guys, I know that um, you guys know I'm a journalist, and sometimes mm-hmm. coaches like to say the whole famous phrase especially in baseball. They say, well, you know, we just got to take our football. I just got to take our cap off and, and give it to the other team. They were the better team today. And, uh, of course, we didn't see the full match, but I've seen the highlights. And Fulham was breathtaking. Didn't you guys think with their passing and their movement yeah. and the guys taking just – I mean, some days you just run into a team that is on they – they looked to me like they were going to win that game no matter what Newcastle did. Just look mm-hmm. at all the highlights I watched. Um, they were really, really, really strong, uh, passing and movement and things. And that's one of those situations that, you know, on, every, on any given day, a team can win and a team can lose. It, it's a shame that it keeps happening at home. But, like, at the same, at the same time, like your caller just said, I mean, Newcastle hasn't lost since January, fellas. I mean, maybe we need to take a step off the ledge here. I mean, it's, uh, we, I, know there's a, I know there's a ways to go, and, and all, all of us want us to be up in the premiership, and that's what we want to do. But uh, they ran into a better team, at least a better team on that day. I think Fulham was Fulham was definitely the better team on Saturday, and they deserved to win. Outstanding they were. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think um, I think Lee's right when he said, but uh, I think I'm I'm right too. We've got to get on. We've got to play higher up that pitch because if he thinks we're going to be able to do that at home, the same way we away from home with teams who are going to. You know who are, who are going to be sitting back a little bit. Well, we have to stop. All you got, you know, it sounds easy enough, doesn't it? But you, if you stop getting them out, look at if you look at Barcelona play at PSG, and no matter what anybody says, uh, that result should never have happened because of it, the cheater in Sanchez diving for a penalty. But anyway, that's another subject I'm going to get to later on. But no, you saw you saw me on Twitter. I said it was an absolute disgrace. Both he and Neymar should have been he and Neymar should have been sent off. You know, for for, for 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 yellow cards for diving, but Barcelona gets away with it. But that's that's neither here nor there. I mean, yeah. but with regards to Newcastle guys, mm. I just like I said, I just think that they ran into a team that is was really on was just really on the top of its game. Uh, mm. Now it does seem like Newcastle, every team they play, is really on the top of its game against them, and maybe that's just the case. This wasn't going to be easy. We've said this all season. There's a lot of teams coming to St James's Park, and it's like a cup mm. final. And if you yeah. cannot play well in front of fifty thousand players, you probably shouldn't be prof- uh, fifty thousand fans. You probably shouldn't be a professional footballer. If that mm-hmm. can't inspire you, if that can't get you get you up for it, where do you both stand on the the, the like I said earlier at the top of the show tonight, Andrew? Mm-hmm. The, the words we were getting back off of friends in the in the crowd uh, out here was uh, the word complacent kept popping up about mm-hmm. the Castle United's performance. What do you both think of that? Yeah, Lee, Lee first. Well, like, 
What complete? What the complete the team? Yeah, that the, that we looked complacent. Uh, see, I, I, I see. I, I would go with what Chris is saying, and I wouldn't say that. As I said when I said I come on, I wouldn't say they were complacent. Fulham were outstanding, really outstanding. And I did, right. and I, but I, but I, there was a tinge in me, uh, Neil, that thought we looked as the game progressed. Like I said, a bit leggy. Mm-hmm. All them yards we've done in the last couple of days, all them, all them trips. How hard we worked in them three particular games to get points on the board. It was it was the fourth game in what eleven days or something like that. Mm-hmm. We had worked so hard, and Fulham just moved us about. We couldn't close them down. That Carney, who we've been linked with, he that's the first time I've seen him. And uh, if he's available in the summer, lads, and we're in the Premier League, I'll have him now because he will sort that. Um, that problematic number 10 position now because he was outstanding. John Joe Shelby couldn't get near him. Um, right. So I, I don't think we were complacent. I'll tell you what, what was com- who were complacent though, Neil? Hmm. The people sitting in the seats. Yeah. There you go. Again, we're back, to that, the, back to the top of the reading show, the, aren't we? Reading the messages on the way to the ground. I've, I've, mm. said, it, I've said it the other week. People, st- please stop predicting 3 and 4 nils at home. It's not... It's not FIFA on amateur mode. It's actually real life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the generation we're dealing with, though, Lee. And, and you know, and, and oh, he'd sign him. He's a good player on FIFA. He's got high speed. You know, and yeah. you're like, oh, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't work like that. Um, and, and, and again, how, how do you... How do you separate that? It's part of football culture now. Um, but how do we get away from that to, to stop some of that that um, almost borderline arrogance, I guess you would say, when if people are really feeling that way? Oh, there's definitely, there's definitely a key. There's an, definitely an element of that. Like I said, the day we played Wolves, the day we played Blackburn, I'm reading three, four, five, six. Well, the day we played Wolves, that will be the KBR 6-0. Mm. I heard some guy talking in the pub talking about seven and eights, man. Hello, <laughs> like, man. Yeah, Chris, did, did you did 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 you did you feel that same way, like uh, Chris, when like uh, peop, you know we the fans itself are, are complacent? Well, I mean, I think yeah, I think that we're kind of living in a dream world, and and I have to admit, early in the season, I kind of was too. I was like, oh, we're going to run this league. This is a tough league. These teams are not that bad. They're just the, these are the teams that when they get into the Premiership, finally. They just don't have to be able to. They just don't have that extra bit to grind to be able to stay up. But clearly, these are some quality, some quality teams that we're playing. But uh, one thing, guys, that I, I I'll follow up on Lee's point. They, you know, in the NBA, you know, they, they go on those long road trips, and that last game of the road trip is always the one where you're like, it doesn't matter who they're playing. The guys are exhausted. They've been on the road for three or four games. That's so rare in the Premiership. Premiership, you play a home game, you play away game, you play a home game. You may play two away games. But you don't play three in a row or something like that. And it just seemed like exactly what he's saying, that Newcastle just probably was kind of you – know, that they, they used so much they used so much of what they had to win those other those road games, and they kind of just didn't have it against Fulham. And Fulham did. Chris was, was the rearrangement of that Brighton game. Mm-hmm. And we protested at the, at the arrangement of that game at that time, and the Football League did nothing to help us. The Football mm-hmm. League – Quite went out of the way to help Brighton, in my opinion, and and so that was sort of happenstance in terms of FA Cup games and re- rearrangements and postponements. But still, you're quite right. Um, it, that was an unusual run of games 
to do that many miles. And I guess that comes back to what Lee's saying about the team looking leggy. Because the team have done all those miles. And okay, you don't you don't do them in a rickety um, you know, Armstrong galley bus anymore with any toilet on it. You do it in quite a lot of luxury and style. But they've still got to do but it. But it's still but it's still flying in airports and uh, check in and checking out and buses. You know, and, and I've actually and that's I think that's why Europeans when they come to the MLS they think they're just gonna set the MLS on fire. It is not easy to travel like you like you have to travel in the MLS. Yeah. And imagine like basketball, they play three games in a week. You know, so those guys, and I know they're multimillionaires, but they're living out of hotels, they're away from their families. I just, like I said, I'm making excuses, but I, I don't think that, I really don't think the world has fallen here, guys. I think that Fulham just played really, 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 really well. And Newcastle didn't. You know, they were tired. They, they needed kind of a good swift kick in the ass. And hopefully this will do it for them, and now they'll be ready to play, uh, you know, on Saturday. I think, uh, Lee, do you think, I think because of what's coming up, I think he will take players out. Um, uh, on um, on Saturday against Birmingham to get a bit uh, more thrust. I don't think he will. I don't think he will. Andrew, you go up there and mind we'll play on Saturday. We've got a free week this week and we play mm-hmm. Saturday and then we don't play for two weeks after that. Yeah. I think we'll yeah. go with his, what he believes is his strongest possible 11. And ultimately, after that, you know, you've got this two-week break. You're going you're gonna to be, he's going to be, I think there'll be a little bit of a downtime. We're going to be sitting, we're going to be concentrating, there'll be plenty of meetings and things like that. And he stressed, he, he is continuously stressed about this particular month that's coming in. Mm-hmm. This particular month with seven games in it. This, this month was always going to separate the, man, the men from the boys. Of course, we all got carried away after we beat Huddersfield. Why would nearly nail this now? And, you know, I, even in my head, I was like, right, we'll nearly nail this now. But I've got the butterflies back again. I think that's a good thing. I said before, the Brighton game, this is what you live for, this is what you want. This is a title race. I don't care for the championship. This is a title race. Everyone should be up for it. Nobody should just be sitting sitting on their hands in St. James's Park. Players need us. Players need us as much as we need them. You're, you know, you're absolutely right, Lee. I mean, this is what we've wanted for years, is for Newcastle to be in, the, like we said last week, for Newcastle to be in these types of games and these types of situations. I don't know what the people expect. I mean, you know, yes, it's not the premiership, but it's just, I mean, it's, this is what it is. Get behind the team and let's get them, let's get them through this. Well, guys, I got to go. I appreciate talking with you like always. Thanks a lot, Chris. Catch you Thanks next week. Right. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, folks. Talk to you later. Cheers. Take care. So give me, a, give me a score, Lee, for Saturday before I bring in my last call of the night in John. Um, that'd be a tough one, but uh, they're not playing particularly well. If we go and play, if we go and play as we have done away from home with a, with a, Plenty of backing from the away following. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll go down there. I think we'll get a reaction. We've always reacted well to a loss this season. Every time mm. we've lost a game this season, we've reacted well. And I don't see that changing. Like I said, I think Raffle will watch that game about 50 times already. Um, and I think we'll go there. I think we'll be tight. I think we'll be compact. I think we'll have too much for them. And I think we'll come out well. I think we'll win the game 3-1. 3-1. <clears throat> That's making a statement, all right. Well, thanks for coming on, Lee. Uh, we'll catch you next week with with our Sunderland. Um, Son and man, Darren Williams. Thanks very much for coming on. I appreciate oh, it, okay? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He's good crackers, Darren. No, thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Lee. We'll catch you next week. Ta-da. Ta-da, well, great to have the call on tonight. We're going to our last call of the night, and that is uh, John, Newcastle United fan, a regular caller, our final guest tonight. Good evening, John. How are you? I'm glad, Andrew. Good evening. Good evening, Neil. How are you, John? How are we doing? You good, boss? Uh, yeah, 
No, I mean, you know, it's a defeat, so it's never that good. But um, tell me, uh, what was your reaction Saturday to from when you saw the team and then obviously the performance? Right, um, the team, I mean, we're missing Edlin Ari big time there. Mm. So when we, when we appeared, so I was in the team, I mean, um, I... I only saw the highlights. I think we were to the game actually knew mm. but uh, unfortunately uh, he he had a poor game, and he wasn't the only one. Got out of poor game. I thought Fulham, for what I've seen, what I've heard mm. as well, offered were absolutely fantastic. I mean, they moved the ball well, they keep the ball, and um, they came up here and they gave it a right go. And um, mm. I was really worried before the game started how can Newcastle win this year against a very very talented Fulham team. And let's be honest here, guys, they deserve to win it because they come up here and um, they went for it. And um, I'm afraid, you've got to take your hats off to them, we, we just got beat by a better team and that's it. Now we've just got to move on. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, if this, you know, we just talked about it already, but I think um, when when you're playing a team that's in form, like I must, admit, I I wasn't really that worried about Fulham myself. I just thought, well, okay, they've been normally when they come to Newcastle, they kind of always give us a game. But normally we've, you know, we we take them on, but we really go at them normally, uh, even if they take the lead. But uh, I think, as Lee pointed out, the team just looked leggy. Yeah, I could see where Lee is coming from as well. I mean, we travel what, 1,500 miles um, mm-hmm. from Brighton to Huddersfield, down to Redden, back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people say they look a bit jaded, look tired sort of thing. That could be part of the reason why we got beat as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of travelling and a lot of um, games being played as well. So, you're right, it's just, uh, again, one of those things. And, um they got a little break now, haven't they? A week's break for the next game. And um, I think they can do with it. Yeah, but I think... Um, yeah. You know, you said that we're missing Yedlin. Um, the, the interesting thing I found is that, the you know, it, the fact that we didn't... We obviously went with Gale and we went with Diarmi. Um, actually, the, probably the interesting news on Diarmi is that he's retired mm-hmm. from international football. So, uh-huh. um, hopefully... That and he was due to go away, so that means he was due to go away um, in the next couple of, couple of weeks because of, you know there'll be in, internationals coming up. Um, I think I think for yes he scored a, a lucky goal lucky goal the other week, uh, but uh, for me he's been one of the Newcastle's quite a, a real big disappointment for me. Like you know you see lots of players in that league that, who are big and strong can take over games, but when he plays he doesn't seem to be able to. You know, he doesn't seem to get to the ball, uh, or he's not pushing the team forward because that's to me what kind of you know you can take this one game in isolation, but um, mm-hmm. I think the one thing is we need somebody when the when the tough is you know when we're playing against a team that are playing against us we need mm-hmm. that type of person to to push mm-hmm. up the team to bring to bring the to bring the the crowd into it. Absolutely, Andrew, you're absolutely right there. I mean, you just mentioned about a um, big disappointment. He has been a major disappointment. I mean, mm. I was really looking forward yeah. to him playing in a black and white shirt. Like, you know, mm. when he come off, a, great. He's going to bully defenders. He's going to make those lovely runs sort of thing, the powerful run sort of thing from midfield. And I haven't seen it. I haven't mm. seen it. It's so frustrating. When he gets the bar sort of thing, he, he tries to run with it. 
that he gets easily knocked off the bar. He's six foot one. He must be, what, 13 and a half stone, 14 stone? Mm. And for him to get knocked off the ball like that or lose the ball so regularly, it's just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I expect a lot more from Moore. But and another thing is, he's not a number 10. He never, never will mm. be a number 10. I mean, the fact is, sort of thing, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know if he's fit. He looks a bit knackered to me, let me mm. honest, be honest here. After 60 minutes, he looks a bit knackered. But mm. his best decision for me can be in the central midfield making those runs. But to me, I just... I don't know. I don't know about him. I don't like slitting players, but I just don't think... I don't think he's really good enough. I try to support him, mm. but he needs to wake up now because we've got, what, nine games left. We need the best... We need to see the best for more Otherwise, I'll just get person. I really do it. What do you think, Neil? Mm. It's, it, it's, it's interesting because he's been talking all season about how we need to see the best of him and we need, he needs mm. to improve his form. I'm so waiting. Here we are, nine, nine games to go. Uh, Still waiting for him. The army, please step forward. Aye. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's this season's. He's not quite this season's Zogo, but you know, in I think Rafa has been trying to get the right combination all season, and I don't don't think he's always got it right. And whether he's one of these players that that doesn't suit being chopped and changed. Because it doesn't suit everybody. Not everybody adapts to it well. Uh, and not everybody reacts to it well. So whether it's something to do with that, don't know. But um, it would be nice to get a little little purple patch out of him just at the right time. Mm. Yeah, I think he's he's definitely... He, you know, that it, it shouldn't it shouldn't take this long for a player to wake up, um, John, should it? Because no, it, you know, we, I think... Um, the problem is, you, away from home, you, you think, well, you you put Corbach in because, but the problem with Corbach is that he, it's never forward, is it? It's always, even when he played for Sunderland, he was kind of, you know, he was prodding and he was kind of good, I thought, at Sunderland, but it's like here, he's been told just to stay there. Um, you know, to, I think it is one game in isolation, but I think for Diame, he's definitely, um, it's been an undercurrent that, you know, once he gets going, maybe he needs, you know, when he gets determined, I remember in a, in a cup game, he was on fire, wasn't he? He was like attacking. Um, oh, my God. He was just absolutely excellent. I couldn't believe mm. it. I thought, will the real Mordiami please stand up? Mm. And at night, he certainly stood up. I mean, I just mm. thought, this is, the, this is his time. Now, can he make that step up? Can he just follow it through? And like you said, oh, I'm still waiting. It's just gone back to the old Diami. I mean, he is so frustrating. He really is. And that's what Jack Callback, or I call him Callback Words. You know what I mean? That should be his surname, Callback Words. Because every time he gets the bar, he always passes his backwards. He can even shoot backwards in the back of the net. You know what I mean? But, but honestly, though, I mean, I mean, Jack, I think, with Jack, I think he left the Southern form behind and come mm-hmm. to us. But what God will fear, if you do get in the Premier League, and I still think we will do, because you've got enough quality there, then I just don't think Jack could be good enough for the Premier League. I mean, that is championship at this level, and I will say that we need. I, I tell you what, I'll be quite happy paying the twenty odd million for Tom Carey and getting from Fulham if they don't go up this season. It was, I think, on Gantini. I think Newcastle were linked with him, and um, he, he turned round, and I think they were. They made a bid for him. You know, the trouble is, it doesn't matter what bid Newcastle would have made. It doesn't matter because it would, the money was never coming out of the pocket anyway. But it was they were quoted 15 million for him. 
and I, I remember at the time was, he was in another team before that and they were interested at, at, in him and again it came down to the fee so and it wasn't that much for he went to Fulham for it didn't go for a huge amount either so when you when you see this you know Newcastle buying this that this player that player when it comes to if we go up like just looking at that team like it, it, they did a good job you know what did what did you think about like I, I must be when you when I looked at the start and start level we've had a discussion already but um, you would you would think that you know especially being against his old team that Darrow would have started from the from the start and uh, held the ball up and at least give us an option to to start from somewhere and, instead of you know starting with Diami again to and you just feel like we're feel like we're losing it at the start of the game especially at home. Well, yeah, so, so, go on, sorry now, go on now. Well, no, it, 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 it's easy to try and analyse again because mm. we've got examples we can chuck out from, say, Bristol City, for example, or mm. um, the loss against Wolves. Or mm. um, it, it, I think it boils down, and we've covered this a, a lot tonight, in, in we are very well set up to pit teams on the break. We can do that all day long. Um, but at home, we're not going to get that opportunity. We've got to force the opportunity. And we just don't seem very well now. Part of that, I would, I would genuinely agree with the sentiments that you only touched on about playing mm-hmm. ten yards further up the pitch, yeah. playing that pressing game, working harder. Um, but equally, um, we're still playing players who are coming for that, that weekly cup final, and this, we, we knew we, this was going to happen. We knew to expect this. Um, and it's disappointing that they still can't seem to get their head around it. It's almost like we've become intimidated in ourselves. Very mm. strange. Mm. John, I do agree with Neil. I mean, we we can't just um, how do I put it? We we worked this way at home. I heard you guys saying as well earlier that um, away from home were absolutely fantastic because we played our system, sit back and hit them on the break. But when it comes to the home game sort of thing, and this is why we lost a lot of points at home, right? That they sussed us out. Teams like Fulham and a few other teams have sussed us out because you know why? Because they knew exactly how we we're going to play, and mm. it's so frustrating. We need to. We need. We're the home team. We need to entertain the supporters at home and have a go. Go for it because we need to win games. But we lost five games already. If members, mm. if the masters is right. We, won, we lost one game fewer than Blackburn Rovers, and they lost six, we lost five. And mm. you've got to win your home games. You can't drop points like this. We would have, we would have been promoted by now if we would have won those points. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's just not good enough. I, I think it's hard, isn't it? Because I think, that's a, I think because we were playing the way that we... I think he's definitely playing the way... That it, obviously it's cautious, but he he's playing the way that he's, it's worked. It's worked away, and mm. that's like I think that that's the issue. People can talk about all they want about um, the fact that we're um, you know we're, we're playing the way we're playing because you know. But when you're at home, there's a reason why the crowd are quiet. You know, because if you're mm. if you're doing a high line, you, you know they, there's going to be there's going to be more. Uh, I would suggest tackling, but I, th- I think um, with Hayden being out there, he does give a bit of protection. So I think when you take him out, you don't really. Essentially, I wouldn't think you actually need the army in that team. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing. I, I think he's playing. I think he's started to play Atsu a lot, hasn't he? 
um, more than he used to just bring him on like substitute appearances. But he has started to play him. But you're playing a player who is going to be hot and cold because he's young. He's a young lad as well. He's yeah. playing a demanding atmosphere. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, he's come from Arsenal or, or Chelsea, wasn't it? He's Chelsea. come from Chelsea, and he, but he never he never played there either. So, you know, these players are a bit, you know, I think sometimes you're going to have to pay in, play players who've, who've got a bit more experience. But on on the flip side of that, we've got a lot of players who played in the in the cup who you might need to bring on just to, for the energy. Because I think I think we're right. I think Neil's right. The fact that we've got a break coming up, and Lee said the same thing. We've got a break coming up, and we've got nothing this week. It should mm. help the team, shouldn't it, John? I, mm. I think. Uh, true. And, very true. And I I think it could work itself out because you know if they've got a if they've got a you know Brighton have got a tough game. You've got Huddersfield. I'm sure have got a tough game as well. So it could actually work out in our favour. But it's going to be it's going to be interesting next week, I think, and. Just uh, how it pans out because I, you know, I just think we had a glorious opportunity to more or less fight fire with fire, and um, you know, it, it won't take much to more or less put you know the the third team away with with, with a few. A few if that's the one thing I in, in the in the end I I think it would be nice to have a game this week to get rid of this game to more or less put mm-hmm. the pressure again on Brighton and yeah. and then at least for two games. But but I think the fact that we have Got you know a time coming off. If I, personally, if I'm Rafa, I would be looking to uh, obviously with the team going in national duty. It's hard, isn't it? Because if you're going to take them away, um, you know you you want to go somewhere nice and warm, don't you? Just just to, but the, the fact that the most the players we've got are going to be um, away anyway, it's a bit fruitless to look to take take them away for a break somewhere to a warm climate where they can just unwind from the the rigors of, of what's going on right now. Yeah, I agree with you there, mate. I really do agree with you there. I mean, a rest, we need a rest. Um, you know, I mean, every time we have a rest, we seem to play better sort of mm-hmm. thing as well all the time. I'm going back to that too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a good he's a good player sort of thing, but sometimes he can be a wee bit frustrated. He mm-hmm. hasn't got a fan the ball. And when he shoots, he over hits his cross. And that's another frustrating thing as well. And um, if he just iron that out sort of thing, then he'll be okay. Mm. I, I think uh, the only thing I would throw on Saturday, I, I think the fact that we're so inept, um, you know, you can always tell that they always say football managers know in the first five minutes whether the team are at it, and the mm. fact that you know Fulham taught. The good thing is the, the Fulham taught us a lesson, um, so you know you can only you you can, it'll be interesting to see how they cope with what you know because that's a big win for them. So we'll see what happens with them, and if they push on, you you, you know Huddersfield are going to be. That, that's the worst thing. All these teams are playing well, but the the, the way that the, the top two are playing, you know, it, they're going to be absolutely gutted that they've got to keep on going. And you know, you've got to hope that Newcastle will be. You know, will, the next couple of games or when we get to April, you look to put this that third team out out the equation. So, you know, so if they're out of the equation, it's like, well, okay, they're going to have to keep on going, and we can have the the we should be able to have the pina colada on. But um, you know, I think it's been a. I just I just hope that 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 defeat on Saturday does give a wake up call to the players and the management that you know there's a reason why the the fans are quiet. Well, you know, push the team further up the t- put the push the team further up. It, it's gonna it's gonna get the the 
the fan base energised because they know straight away that they're going that we're coming for them, we're coming for them. Absolutely right. I mean, I'm talking on the fans. So I mean, I just wish the fans don't boo the players or something. Or leave early. We yeah. need it. We need the support now. We need our fans to get right behind the team now. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. But booing them's not going to help. And I'll tell you mm. another thing as well. I mean, the fans leaving the stadium early, yeah. right? After we go to night, I'm going to say it right, and I hope the people listen to this, right? I mean, you don't leave the stadium yeah. while you're doing half an hour half an hour ago you just mm. don't because at the end of the day right we need the support as possible you know I mean that's not true fans it's not no. when people leave the stand uh, ground early it does make a sick a little bit you know what I mean you get behind the team you stay until the very end it's as simple as that yeah it's, he's right isn't he he's right yeah, John, so he's right Phil isn't so it? frustrating yeah. so frustrating yeah. and the thing is so what are people what are people going home for Saturday night takeaway it's all the caramels <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> just, just stay. Listen, the other thing, what I'll do, I, I sent the support outside. If you come in half hour early, you should get an extra point on your loyalty point. And if you stay at the end of the game, even if you get fast or stuffed, you should get an extra loyalty point for that as well. You don't need to stay in them early. That's not great. It's embarrassing, though. Yeah. There you go. We're back at the start of the show, won't we? Mm. You know what makes people walk out and watch the driver behind? People walking out early, um, sometimes is it a good thing to send a message? Like I say, the Macrams are, are far better at that than we are. <laughs> um, and, and, and I mean that in seriousness. They, they, they've yeah. always been a crowd who have let the board know we're not happy and we're not going to show. Um, can't come in this one. But uh, who was it for me to tell fans how to support yeah. the team? But I think we've got to, we're not dealing with the same kind of mix of fan base as, as we used to. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be. Obviously, give me a scoreline for. Um, give me a scoreline for for Saturday, uh, John. I think it'll be. A, I think it'll be an interesting one. What do you think it's going to be? Um, well, it's going to be a very tough sort of thing. I mean, we've got a fantastic rear record, haven't we? All we got to do, right, is just um, you know, just keep a tight the back, keep it tight. And my God, if we we need to win this on Saturday. I think we will we will win on Saturday by a goal to nil, right? Bearing in mind, Huddersfield is going to beat Bristol City on Friday, and I think Brighton beat, beat Leeds as well. All oh, right, interesting. Uh, what do you think, Neil? What will it do? The, the, the results and yeah, the results. Do you think we'll win or any other you know, teams around us? Spin the wheel of fortune and let's see what happens. Cause <laughs> you kind of predict it. You really kind of predict it. Um, somebody somewhere is going to cock up. Somebody somewhere is going to pull a result out when you don't expect them to. Mm. This is this is it. We're getting the business end. This is what Rafa has been talking about all season. April, 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 April. Mm. We'll creep through March. Let's get into April. We're on countdown now. Nine games. Mm. We've just got to keep ahead. Everybody's got to keep the, keep their heads mm. and and keep united. Keep the keep the line. Because um, the 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 goal is getting up and then. Once we get past that, then we'll worry about other things. Yeah. And, and the only, it's still in our own hands. It's still within our grasp and power to do it. And starts at the weekend. And in some ways, fortuitously, yeah, away from home, we're set up better and we'll probably have a better chance of getting that loss out of our system. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for coming on, John. Thanks for coming on tonight. Been great. Thanks, Neil, as well. And uh, we'll no catch bother. up.
we'll catch up with uh, uh, with a new guest next week on Two Talk. Thanks so much, John. We'll catch you next week. Looking forward to it, guys. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, so Bye-bye. Talk, remember, go to the Apple Store and download Toon Talk, and I'll also be tweeting it out there for you guys to listen with me and Neil Mitchell calling from Dubai and our guest tonight, which was Pete O'Rourke and my various 